I want you to really think about that. We can sit in silence even for a little bit. I really want you to think about that. I'm not even joking. Anybody's listening to think about that because I get where you're coming from. Like that combat, like I, I get that. But a lot of these guys don't want that for anyone. There's some things that happened to me. I would never wish upon my, my worst enemy. And it's not even close to that, right? Not trying to compare it, but like, dude, we're talking life and death, literally. What's up, everybody? I am joined in the bunker today by James Corbett. James is the co-founder of a nonprofit called Project Refit, who works with veterans, active duty members, and first responders, both current and former. Some of the issues that they deal with relate to PTSD or stress from past work or current work, whatever it may be. And specifically, they really work to combat isolation. You'll learn all about the actual organization within this podcast, but I mean, <laughs> James is about as passionate of a human as you will ever hear. He talks at a million miles a minute. He probably came in here, hopped up off enough coffee to kill six horses, and <laughs> I got to tell you, maybe it was just me sitting across from him, but I hope it comes across when you're listening that this guy is all about what he does. He just wants to help people out, and, and he's been building this organization with his co-founders for four years. They're doing a great job, and I will say it got a hell of a lot more relevant, especially when COVID hit. Not that they could have ever planned for that, but dealing with isolation specifically and some of the downsides that come with that, especially for people of this background, you might imagine that COVID put an entire new lens on that, and so it, it was pretty cool. The Project Refit was right there already booming and, and ready to roll when, when, when COVID actually did hit. So if you are not subscribed to Trend of Fire with Julian Dory, please subscribe. If you haven't left a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, please do that as well, along with a comment. That's a big help for new listeners coming in to check out the show. And continue sharing the show with your friends. We're building a nice audience here. I'm, I'm very excited about the direction. I say it every week, but I, I want to reinforce that. It's it's. I'm having the time of my life doing this, and, and the audience I'm building is really thanks to you guys uh, spreading the word. With that all said, you know what it is. I'm Julian Dory, and this is Trendifier. This is one of the great questions in our culture. Where is the news? You're giving opinions and calling them facts. Everyone understands this, but few seem to do it. If you don't like the status quo, start asking questions. James, thanks for coming in, man. For sure, man. Dude, I I, I love it. You rolled in, ready to roll. We, we've we been talking for like an hour and a half yes, before this been. podcast. We literally didn't even get the cameras rolling because you were ready to just go off on a whole bunch of things going on. But yeah. um, really appreciate you taking the time, man. For sure. I mean, I'm really happy to be here. So One of the things that we were talking about a little bit ago, I just wanted to touch on because I forgot to follow up on it when, when you were going through it, but... You were going over like the fight or flight response. Yeah. And you were talking about how you integrate that into what you do. Can you can you expand upon that a little bit? So it's actually the way I like to use it. So um, just to go over it so everybody knows where the conversation yeah. was. We were talking about um, how do you communicate with someone who has a certain belief or something like that or has they're, – they're steadfast on something, right? They don't want to give up on it because it's – it's almost like they identify with it. What I like to do is I like to talk to people and I like to say, hey, listen, 
before I say what I'm about to say, because it might upset you, right? Before I say it, I want to explain to you what's going to happen to you when I say what I'm about to say. You're going to get really upset and you're, you're going to maybe hate me for a second, but I want you to know that I'm just spitting logic and fact and I'm just trying to talk to you. All right. I'm caring about the person sitting across from me by saying that. I want them, I want them to know that I'm not trying to make them uncomfortable, yeah. you know? So, um, and then I explained to them the fight or flight. Like if so I've done jujitsu and I've wrestled and I've, you know, uh Muay Thai, all that shit, like for many years. I, I haven't done it since the COVID thing and all that stuff. Like I was gonna get back into the gym and everything like that. But um I'm a little weird. I don't know. I, I'm probably gonna go back soon. But anyway, so what happens even in those situations is sometimes like I can explain a certain time when I was doing a training where we had a bunch of guys around us and then they'd all attack from different angles and shit. Like, mm. and you're just in the middle of defending yourself. My, uh, my professor, my, my professor. So in jujitsu, it's called professor. Yeah. So my, my, my professor was like, are you good, man? Like, you looked like you're like losing your shit. Though. I was like, I don't know. I was under attack, you know, and I, I just went into the mode, you know? So, um, but it was, it was obviously just a joke, but, um, but, but for real, like it does happen. People, they, they see cloudy, like it's cloudy to them. They're, they're seeing red almost, right? Yeah. When you're telling them things that make them uncomfortable. So I like to explain to them, re remind them that I'm your friend. I'm here. I'm actually just, I care about what you're saying. You're setting expectations. I'm up front. trying to set the expectation that I do care. I don't hate you. I'm not trying to harm you. I'm not attacking you. Cause I even talk, I also do recognize how I speak sometimes is super aggressive, man. Like I just, it's just how I speak. Um, <laughs> and some people get really uncomfortable. I just like spit on your mic. Uh, some people get like really uncomfortable with that. Right. So, um, but I would rather a person be caring and direct. Mm -hmm. And that's how I like to be. Cause it's what I want, how, how I want people to talk to me. Right. I want them to understand I do have feelings, you know, but at the same time, don't hold back, but just remind me, Hey, I'm going to make you really upset, but here it is. And then what's the chemical imbalance or whatever's happening in your brain, you fight or flight mode. It's all going to be triggered and you might not hear me and you might hate me during the conversation. Now, if you go to give your opinion on something to somebody and it's the kind of situation where you have to diffuse it up front and they might get upset at it. I do that all the time. Right. But do you still go into it with the idea that there might be a possibility your mind could be changed if you successfully diffuse it and actually. it's not? I, so I don't even think about me. Um, I know that I operate different than a lot of people with my brain. Mm. I'm I'm I was actually just describing this today to someone I was talking to. Uh, I have a childlike curiosity and I don't want to be right. In fact, I'm going to put this out at the very beginning of this podcast. Like I'm. I'm not right about a lot of things because I know that in the future, a lot of things that I like, I think or whatever are going to change. Yeah. This moment in time where we're at might, we might have knowledge or whatever, but I know nothing. I will always stand by that. And that's the only reason why it gives me an opportunity to work in the creative realm, right? To innovate, mm. to think, to, to, I mean, like you have Steve jobs up there on your wall. Yep. Like he said, the greatest artists borrow. I love that you called him an artist. Right. Only the real ones know. Yeah. Like yep. that's, that's what it's all down to. My man, like what did he put? Calligraphy is what sparked his innovation. Yeah. Right. Like sitting in the college classrooms and stuff like that. I actually, it's funny because I didn't know that. And I, one of my favorite things, so my family, my grandma, she passed rip, rest in power. That's what I say. Sorry um, so yeah, it was years ago. I love her. Like I'm not writing it off, but like, you know, it's, I'm over it. You right, know, like right. just, she had lived a good life. Anyway, she was really into calligraphy. And I love calligraphy. 
And then I found a Steve Jobs loves calligraphy. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what? This is cool. I'm not saying I'm Steve Jobs, by the way. I'm just saying it's cool to have an idol who also enjoyed things that you enjoy. He was such an interesting cat in that all the little things that you or I or most people don't think about, he was. And his his dad, who he didn't have a ton in common with just because his dad was, you know, he was adopted and, and his yeah. dad and him were, were definitely different. But one of the things that really got him thinking on things like calligraphy and, and all the little things around product was that when he was a young kid, maybe like five or six, he saw his dad finishing off a, building a cabin or not a cabin, a, a cabinet, sorry. And his dad was taking just as much time on the back end that goes against the wall as he did on the front, you know, every single angle, smoothing it out, whatever. And Steve was asking him, like, why, why do you do that? No one's going to see it. And his dad explained to him, he said, but you know, and if you are going to make anything that you wouldn't want to be able to look at yourself, you shouldn't sell it to other people. And so that really sparks Steve's idea of like, hey, every little thing matters because even if one person notices it, you'll know that they did. And so then he got, he, he, he took that whole artist realm and all the details, like the writing, like how a product feels, what, what what materials are used, how design takes the forefront of technology even. I mean, it all, it all was born out of that. And to bring it back, the reason why I'm open to listening to other people is because of that. If you think about it, I just know what I know or think I know, but I'm always open being wrong. And I think that's like an important like thing, right? I think that's important for any communication. Actually, that's something that I think of all the time. Uh, I think is wrong. We're not taught how to be wrong. Actually, oh God, we're, we're always so taught true. how to be right. And I, we're not taught how to be wrong. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, I love my family. I love my dad and, and my mom and all that stuff. Like, But something I recognize with my with my dad, actually, he used to push on me. Books, 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 mm -hmm. read. I read, 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 read. And then like, oh, hey, dad, I read this, blah, blah, blah. And then it'd be like, oh, you're always reading books. And it's like, you told me to do that. Yeah, it's like you a never-ending like, circle. Why did you? But it's because like you're learning something new. Me, in this case, I'm learning something new and I'm going, hey, I learned that this thing that you told me was actually wrong. And I learned how there's a, there is a delivery to it. Mm. And actually, the only time I ever ended up being okay with it is I read a, uh, uh, a story about uh, um, Jeff Bezos. And then I actually listened to him talk about this story also on uh, – I just remember that. I also listened to him talk about this direct story. I forget where it was. It was a conference. But about how he was like – one day he figured out when his, his grandmom smoked or his mom smoked or something like that. It's like, oh, hey, grandma smokes for so many years. She's actually knocking off this many years of her life. She's going to die around this time. And like figured it out when he was young. Yeah. And she started crying. And he's like, what? I just, I just did the math. I, I thought that was smart. And then the grandfather later said, hey, look, like or his grandfather, father, I forget which it was. doesn't matter. The sentiment of the story has brought him aside and said, listen, you're very clever and clever is good. But you can't just like do that to people. You got to care, care about the people and what they say, which is why I'm saying here to you, also bringing it back to the original question, you have to be able to do the listening part. Mm. It's key, right? Like you have to be able to have your mind open. And you have I to get them in I a know. place where they're, where they're going to exactly want to do it themselves. Exactly correct. Yeah. You communication. Sometimes you will have to have the, the, the leader in the communication. Yeah. Right. And I, I think I'm not saying I'm the leader or whatever. I'm saying like in most communication scenarios, I try to be the person that's leading because I want to learn. It's actually a selfish thing that I'm doing because I want to hear you. Yeah. Right. Like, but I also want you to hear me. Yeah. So that is why I'm doing that. That's why I let people know like, Hey, this is what's going to happen to you potentially. And I want you to remember, I want to hear you. I'm going to argue with you. Actually, 
I'm going to say no to things and I'm going to question your logic and question where you got things because I want you to do the same thing. I want you to eventually pull out your phone and like look something up and it's like, okay, cool. Thank you. You know, like I I love that. Like that's how you learn. You have such, I hope people hearing this can can feel it themselves just just listening to you, but you have such an aggressive passion for things (laughs) and yet it's not... It's not off-putting at all because right, it, yeah. you you really do strike me as as the guy who walks the talk with that and is very open to hearing what what people have to say. But you know the reason I brought you in today is is because what you're doing now, and yeah, obviously I I know what Project Refit is and how that's going and and what that is. But before even getting to that, mm-hmm. what what did a guy like you do? Like, what was your journey? How, how did you get here? What what were your interests and, and your passions when, when you were younger and, and then maybe even going to college and trying to figure out what to do with your life? All right. We're, we're going to do this right now. We're doing so, it. Okay. We're going there. Something I don't really talk about very much ever on any kind of area, but I like you and I think this is cool. And I like the way the setup feels. This is a great I, time. You dude. like the bunker here? Oh, it's badass. I like it a lot. Thank you, man. Thank but um, I wanted to play professional baseball, actually. Really? Yeah. That was good. Right. So, but a lot of people don't know what ended up happening to me, even during high school, I expressed how I wanted to do that. Now, again, God, I'm going to like paint them in a really bad light, but like, so, but it's not, I love my family. What I'm about to say all that shit. So I'll make that really clear. I do, but I put it up front. Let's but, go. And you know what? Before I get into it, I'm actually going to put out a caveat. I found out later in life, my dad suffers greatly from anxiety issues. Mm. Greatly. Uh, like chronic anxiety and he projected his own anxiety onto me uh when i was a kid right like there's nothing i don't blame him i actually understand now and i understand him to block out and all that shit like it's just fear that is his own that's why i'm also like i guess obsessed with the thought of like listen to other people sure block it out just listen to them listen to their heart now that that's interesting though because you took yeah and it can go the opposite way very often with people but you took your own in this case, negative experience of not feeling like you were heard. And instead of then projecting that onto other people, knowingly or unknowingly, yeah, you you go for the opposite on purpose. Yes. That's very cool. Because it's uh I think my brother did this. My brother's brilliant, by the way. My brother's super smart. He's uh he he works in uh nursing, but he's like got his like master's doctor. Like he he's a he works uh specifically with um, people with mental illnesses and such, right? So oh, wow. my, yeah. yeah, my brother's brilliant. Respect him to no end, actually. Uh, and I think that with having the upbringing that we had is why both of us are kind of going towards this realm. I just love business and I knew I had to create something when I was 12. So I did it. But and when, when did the baseball dream? So this, yeah, I'm going to bring it, I'm going to bring it back to the baseball thing. Why it's so important. Um, so I wanted to play baseball. I was really good. And I actually started to get in my own head because at home, right. Baseball's mental. Baseball totally. more than like anything else is mental. When I would come home, I would hear, only 1% of baseball players make it to the big leagues all the time, right? Only this, only that, only that, like negative, negative. So I, was, I kept on thinking, I was like, what the fuck is the point? Why am I, why do I care to have this dream? Right. Yeah. And that was really affecting me. That really, that affected my play. I wasn't focused on the field. I kept on thinking like, what the fuck am I doing here? What is the point of this? Why am I playing this shit anymore? Right. It affected me with like re- everything actually. Because you had a dream and you felt like people were stamping on it. It was stomped on, man. I wasn't heard, right? So um, that's when I recognized, like, as I got older, 
uh, when I was actually at Columbia, when I had this thought, I was talking to a professor, um, uh, and he, he was a cool guy. Uh, so professor Coleman, so we were, we're in class Columbia and, up in New York. Yeah. 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 Columbia university. Um, so, but this guy was like, he impacted me in such a way. I don't think he ever like even knew he has a Ted talk and all that shit. Go check it out. But it's all conflict systems and shit that we're talking about. Right. And what it, what it, is conflict systems? So uh, I'm sorry, complex systems. I was studying negotiation, conflict resolution, right? So like on mass scale, like countries, governments, shit like that. Could you give an example of what you would work Israeli with? Palestine, okay. right? That's a great example. Yeah. We studied That's that. That's the example. Yeah, that is the example I can give that everybody can understand. Like that system, so comp so many different things playing all at once. And, you know, Trump got that through like the, the I think it was the treaty between Israel and Palestine happened recently. Like he's going to win a Nobel Prize or whatever, peace prize, yeah. potential for it. <laughs> Um, there's so many issues that were around that, right? I mean, like, that's what we studied extensively over there. Um, you, you were also talking to me about, yeah. and I don't remember the context of this. So if this and I'll is bring it back to baseball after this. If, yeah. But if, <laughs> if, if this is totally out of left field, I don't know yeah, if, yeah. if this was it, but you were talking about like traffic jams and stuff and the oh, data around man. that. Is it's that an even, example not even too? The data. It was so, yeah, that's complex systems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Got it. so uh, there's... So I think it was I think it was Sweden that did it, but they they basically got rid of traffic lights in a lot of areas to reduce accidents uh, that were via looking at your phone and shit because they're like, hey, pay attention now. You have to. There's no traffic. There's no added like I think it was that country, but there's like no added um, help like you know like system wow. that's helping you navigate the road. You have to do it all on your own. So you have to focus more now on the road. Get rid of your fucking phone. So they, they, people are now putting down their phones and, you know, accidents are decreasing in the country where that was put in or in the area that was put in. Now, are they slowing down roads, though? Because they're basically taking out the things that I keep don't them know. flowing? I don't know. That's like I said, I, I read, I read and I grab the main point and then I leave. Right? right. I don't know what that is. This is where my brain works. Um, I don't I remember bring names very well or anything like that. None of that shit. But I remember like main points of things. But anyway, yeah, bringing it back to the point, baseball really fucked me up, having all the anxiety pushed on me and uh, negative thoughts. Very loving guy again. My dad, very loving. It's just I want everyone to understand like that is an actual mental issue he has. Yeah. Um, he misses vacations because of it. Like he doesn't go to the different like places or whatever because he's afraid he's going to miss out on work. He's going to get fired. And all the worst scenarios in the world are happening in his head. So it's debilitating. Um, and it affected you directly. It did. I, and I look at it because only great things come out of great conflict. Great, good things come out of great conflicts, right? Even internally or externally, it doesn't matter, right? Hard times create hard men and hard men create good times, right? I think that's what the quote was. So like... That makes sense to me. That's one of those like quotes. I actually hate little quotes, but like that's a quote that I understand the logic of. Oh, that's a good of, one. Right? Because yeah. then good times create soft men, soft men create hard times. It's a fucking, like we just said. Circle of life, man. Exactly. So uh, baseball, sports ended up fucking me up because it's a lot of mental game, but it made me harder, right? I, I am now, you cannot convince me not to do what I'm doing now. Right. It has made me a new per I'm a brand new person. Mm -hmm. I went through my my turmoil internally affected other people as well. If, you know, hurting, whatever. I hurt other people when I was younger. You know what I mean? Like I know I messed up. But I also know because I was tormented in my own head and I know where it came from. Right. And I don't blame at all, actually. Again. When did you figure that out? I was probably 
again, aside at Columbia, uh, actually, when I had a lot of these thoughts, I really, dude, I love the train rides back from Columbia. I would actually take, I would take like three hour trips to fucking go to school and shit. Like I was still living oh, in so South you, Jersey. Oh, so you commuted to Columbia. I was out of my mind. Yeah. I was, it was cheaper. Yeah, you, I did the math. You're out. crazy. I know. But it also allowed you. me, I actually wrote, uh, I wrote a book on how to do spray paint artwork when I was on the train. Like I wrote papers for myself on like, I was doing a lot of work on me when I was going to Columbia on the train. You strike me as a really self-justice kind of guy. And here's what I mean by that. It, it. It, it appears to me like you're somebody who is constantly introspective on your own actions and you genuinely care about how other people feel of, feel about you as a result of that. I don't... Okay. I was just having this conversation with someone the other day. I actually don't really care how the outside world views me. Because I live outside a very different, world. Right. That's different. Yes. But the I'm talking people, about your people. Exactly. But the people that I'm close with, the people that I interact with, I want them to know that I hear them and I care about them. Mm. I want them to, for key, sure. Key distinction there too. Yeah. Because a lot of people these days that is key. get so caught up in, in all the fucking noise online and and everyone just being able to say whatever they want at any time. And we we genuinely stay up at night worried about what some dude we've never met in our life thinks about us or thinks about that thing we did or why we got this comment on that or whatever. And mm -hmm. everyone gets in their head and they're, they're worried about people they don't know and they're never gonna. That's right. But they often lose sight of the fact of what the people they actually do know think of them mm -hmm. because they're worried they're worried about the general public and and they think everyone's crazy enough to think all the eyes are on you at all times and they're not no one gives a fuck you know we're, we're all individuals in this world there's 330 million people in this country and that's not how it works but yeah. when we leave behind like our own relationships our own family our own friends and and we we kind of take for granted that connection we have and and how they might be feeling a certain way about us or you know not even taking the cues of when they're like oh, i didn't really like that or oh that was great that you did that or whatever we, we lose that ability to even communicate at all yeah i think too um when it comes like the outside world i think we we shouldn't when when i say i don't know how you mean it how do what do you i'm gonna ask you a question if that's cool dude okay. you can do whatever cool. the fuck you want so here's, here's a question for you because i heard you say this and i have my view and I'll, I'll share it but when you say no one gives a fuck how do you really mean that in the context of the outside outside not immediate circle i mean that in that if people already don't even know you they don't have any psychological tie to you or your doings or what's going on in your life in general and we maybe the best way to explain this I heard this ironically from Kobe Bryant, and this was a line I heard shortly before he died. Rest and, in power. Yeah, seriously. Literally. And um, he was talking about his rookie year. He, he did this great interview with this guy, Patrick Bet David. It was like four or five months before his death. You ever seen that? No. It's, it's amazing. And it was the most, it was almost poetic, I guess, with how it all ended up tragically going down. But... It was the most uncut, unedited, no bullshit Kobe Bryant I've ever seen. Like, actually really digging into what goes goes on in here. And he was talking about his rookie year when the Lakers were in the playoffs and he was starting to get a big role on the team. And I think they were in the second round playing against the Utah Jazz. 
who had at the time Carl Malone and John Stockton. They they ended up playing the Bulls that year. They played them two years in a row in the finals against Michael Jordan. But they went to overtime in maybe like game six or something like that when the Lakers got eliminated. And in overtime, Kobe had four or five air balls. I think it was the fourth quarter or overtime. He had four or five air balls. And so on a national stage, people were like, oh, and the rookie Kobe Bryant, the young kid out of high school, going to have to take a lesson from this, air balling left and right, and people were laughing. And so once he finished that game, like you, he looked at it very logically. And he said, okay, why did I air ball? Like, why was that happening? I don't do that. When I'm practicing, I never fucking air ball. And he realized... That before this season, where he had played an 82-game season in the NBA and then, you know, 10, 15 games in the playoffs, the longest season he had ever played was like 35 games in high school. So he's like, I don't have the legs, straight up. I I don't have the legs to do this. So obviously, that's what I'm going to train, and I'm always going to have the legs from here on out. But he started training that night, and the reason he explained, this is my point, the reason he explained he was able to start training that night and not worry about it is because he said, no one cares he goes, I'm somebody on a, on a national stage at that point, actually like supposed to be an important athlete, playing in the playoffs, playing at the highest level. They cared about the air balls when I did it. They'll talk about it in the news stories in the morning. And two days from now, three days from now, because we're eliminated, we're not even in there anymore, no one's going to fucking talk about it. And so the outside world, if you let that just constantly come in, like all these people are saying all these things all the time, the attention's on me, and, and, and no matter what I do, like, like people are going to be judging me for it, and I got to worry about that, and that's going to drive the decisions I make, then you lose yourself and you lose your ability to focus on the things that matter and actually focus on what's going to make you better in the future. That's what I mean when I'm saying no one gives a fuck in the outside world. Cool. That's how I view. I'm not going to share anymore because that's it. All right. Well, great. Just had to make sure that we got that out there because I feel like when people say that, and the reason why I wanted to, and I'll explain now why I asked that question to you, when people say, nobody gives a fuck, like they make it like super negative. Yes. Right? And it's like, no, no, like it's not about the negative. It's not about like, oh, fuck that guy and fuck that guy. No, man, you're still a human. You should still respect people. You should still listen to people, even on the outside world. Right? I I might listen really closely to the people that are close to me. And like really hear them out. Sure. But like even on the outside world, I'll still listen to you. I still care. I still think your life matters. Yes. The, and, and that's that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying I know you're the not. general. Know you're not. Yeah, the that's gen- very clear that you're yes. saying that actually. The, the general you're not noise. saying that I should say. Yeah. The general, general noise. noise is bullshit. Yeah. Right? General noise is actually society's anxiety pushing it onto you. That's wow. what it is, bro. That's what general noise is. And I was trying to explain that. I've never that. heard someone put it that way. Yeah. That's what that's literally, I explained that to my friend the other day. I was like, listen, society's wrong all the time. Society is wrong. The only thing society's good for is that we're now not getting preyed on by bears and fucking mountain lions and shit. I can't believe you said everything, that, man. Everything, everything awesome. else, everything else is literally just bullshit. You just create your own story within society. It's cool for that too, with stories. Like that's the Greek tragedies of the world, right? People are always talking about like, you know, oh, everything should be good, mamby-pamby. Fuck that. No, it's not, man. Sometimes somebody has a great business and then they get hit by a fucking train. It's You know what I mean? Like that's what happens. You're cracking me up right now because this is a conversation I've been having with people just where I literally use that example too over the past two or three weeks. Like it's happened like three or four times. And... It is the idea that as mankind, our general default is negativity. Negativity bias, it's, it's, it's called, uh, by the way. Yes, exactly. Trigger, yeah. And the reason is 
why were we put on this earth? Like, like what, what, or not why were we put on this earth? What happened from the beginning of time when man existed and it exists in other, you know, animals as well? What happened when, when you're born? You are you other are species fight. you're talking about, like other human species. Yeah, no, no, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah. no I'm, okay. I'm saying like even like regular species, like gotcha. bears and okay. shit. Got it. Every organism is born with an inherent need to try to survive. Some is stronger than others, but they don't want to die. Who can gather food fastest? What do you mean? Who can gather food and water fastest and most productively is the most successful species. Where we're made, like, yes, out, like, yes. Our brain now we're collecting food and stuff better, like yep. our appendages, all that. Go ahead, sorry. Go yep. Ahead. So when you think about where the earliest humans, when, when they came on this earth, what what they had to worry about with that inherent need to survive, they walked. They walked out. They walked outside, oh. and it was like. Well, I hope I don't get mauled by a fucking bear today. Or like, yeah. how am I going to make it to when it's dark tonight and I go back into my cave to wake up? No one thinks about this, but that's how we're wired. So when we look at society now, we have the easy iPhones and all that shit. Mm -hmm. There's still that wiring of like, shit is going to go wrong and my life is not going to yeah. be great. So let me project that onto everyone else. That's right. It's society's natural anxiety. That's right. And you know what I just realized? Oh my God, this is a cool thought. Okay, all right, all right. It's not, this isn't necessarily fact, but it's a thought I just had and I'm gonna share it because I think it's super fucking cool. Okay, all the way back when, cavemen, right? Mm -hmm. Cavemen were really good at being in like small tribes. Then we have to communicate better. We get fire, all that shit. Then we uh, have larger tribes and we have people who now can relax. There's more relaxation time now, right? Because we're safer, a little bit safer. And then it go the safety factor of how intelligent we get actually increases, 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 which means our brains can develop. Our brains now are thinking about other things, like the Greek tragedies happen because they're in these huge cities and shit. So there's more people who have more time to think about things deeper. Dude, holy shit. So think about this with me real fast. We actually became the reason why we got so good at like collecting food and everything. Our brains were so smart that we got so good at it. We started making other issues and troubles around that. Right around our, like we just started mm. making shit up because we stopped worrying about what actually matters, life and death, right? These the simple, need for survival dude, it's going fucking away. freaking me out right now, bro. It's freaking wow. me out, right? That just freaked me out. That was my thought, man. And now with all this connectivity oh we have, God. we have more time and, and more resources yes. to get worked up about it. I think you literally said that line, yep. get worked up about it. And yep. it's, it's, it's a common theme in everything. What a cool and thought. Dude, it, inje what a fun thought. it injects all the way across culture. Dude, I got chills. I uh, dude, this. I, I, I totally, I totally did too. I mean, it's what? everything that we do comes back to our need to feel a purpose on the earth. Yeah. And the ultimate purpose oh, yeah. you feel is survival. And so now when people are less afraid oh. of that, and, and how about that too with COVID? Because everyone- How about like, that with veterans? Yeah. Well, that's what we're going to be talking about today. Holy but, shit. Okay, right. keep going. COVID. Right. Let's, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's come right to that. someone said actually. something brilliant. Fuck COVID. Go, go okay, right okay. <laughs> well, listen. So someone actually gave me this thought the other day because I was, I, I'm thinking about constantly about like veterans first responders, like they're under- those are like those guys, like the guys that are out there, like protection wise, they're tapped into real purpose, real life. They actually have a little bit more. They have a better understanding of what life actually matters, like what, what matters, life and death constantly. And they volunteer to put it at greater risk. And here's the other thing, too. So someone I, I've never put it so elegantly and simply, actually, as uh, so this girl, Lisa, she said this to me. OK, I'm going to give her credit. So flat out, like I've talked to people about this before, but never so elegantly was it stated and simply. She's like. Oh my God, 
Um, and she's one of the smartest people I think I've actually talked to like in a long time. Um, it's actually kind of an honor to talk to her brain. But anyway, um, she she was like, oh, my God, um, a lot of like veterans are like nurses where like we, we sign up because we want to help people and stuff. And sometimes it's out of necessity. And sometimes when they leave or a lot of times it seems like now veterans and then first responders, like when they're done they feel like everyone might owe them something and they might not do it intentionally by the way. That's not, not talking shit on veterans at all. Right. That's something we have to maybe address that was like, maybe you feel like, like, because you say things like, Oh, it's a civ fucking civilian. Like you that's where the, you, you gave, gave yourself every, you receive. literally were willing to die for that person who didn't hold that door for you. Yeah. And it triggers you. Yeah. Right. You are literally willing to die for the guy to cut you off in traffic. It's subconscious. It's, it's subconscious. Exactly. So that thought when she said that, I, I, again, I've talked about something like that, but that was so simple and elegant. I was like, what the f Lisa, that's brilliant. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm saying that again. As a way for us to better understand each other, right? Because one of the goals of even Project Refit is to kind of bridge that gap between veterans, first responders, and civilians. Because some civilians are like fucking scared of yeah. like veterans and shit. Because especially combat veterans, like, oh, because he can fucking kill me, right? And it's like, stop it. That guy literally put his fucking life on the line for you. Yeah. You should understand that. But like, you shouldn't put him in a higher place than you or her. And they shouldn't put themselves in a higher place than you, right? Mm -hmm. But like, it's just an understanding of the life choices, right? It's just, that's all it is, right? And just be grateful for that. Like, thank you for doing that. Thank you for signing up. Whether you did it out of necessity or not, I really appreciate you for signing up and, and volunteering to be in the armed forces, right? Yeah. Put yourself in the front lines. And that's why I'm so, I love, they're Americans. Everybody's an American to me. I love America. I love America. I love the United States, right? The freedoms that we have. You're starting your own dream here. I love that shit. Mm -hmm. I do. And I want, I want to protect that. It's a country you can I want to help facilitate your own success. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, you, you continue blowing up. You keep on doing this. I'd love to be a fucking guest again. You know what I mean? I'd love to do that shit. You know? Like, because that means I'm supporting friends or I'm supporting a guy that I think is super fucking cool. Right? And, like, I just want to see you grow. Right? Because I think you're going to do a lot of good. You know, stuff like that. You know? And, and I think veterans, the veterans that get it, the guys that sign up because it's a lifelong dream, I would love to see the data, actually. I don't know if this exists or not, but I would love to see a study done on the guys that did sign up out of a dream like i've always wanted to be in and whether they have really bad ptsd depression anxiety when they get out because it's actually almost like they fulfilled the dream and then the guys that did it because it was almost like a necessity like oh, i have no other option we go in you know like I'm, i i need i need this mm -hmm. and they're grateful for it some of them come out super grateful for the military and shit like that but someone come out and they're like bitter i wonder if they fulfilled their dream they could have thought it was going to be a bootloader to whatever their dream was because the maybe. military opens a lot of doors and then maybe it didn't. It Sometimes it does. And I think that's something else that's a problem. It's a information overload. It's another thing we're actually trying to solve with Project Refit. We'll get into it. But like those are thoughts that I've had. And I'm like, I'm trying to really understand, but I don't know if that data exists. I, I haven't looked into that. So I'm not going to – that's just a thought that I had. I just want mm. to put that out there. Um, like I want to know – I would love to know actually the severity rates and if like the guy and you can't talk to the dead so like you can't talk to a guy that committed suicide and see where he was like did you mm. fulfill a dream or not you know like was it truly a dream of yours to go into the military and like see what you saw because dude they see the monsters they see hu humans are monsters monsters are humans right scooby-doo they fucking pull off the mask of that monster you know pull off the head and it's always a human Humans are the monsters, right? Like, mm -hmm. they see that. They've see, They've pulled off the mask off of all those fucking guys. Even themselves sometimes. And they look at themselves as monsters. And it's totally understandable. And they shouldn't be judged for it. 
which is nothing I'm trying to say. You have to be super tough, man. When you're in the military, especially combat guys, like they have to be fucking tough. And even if they're not combat and they're in the supply line, like, you know, bullets fly, bullets don't fly without supply, something that's said all the time. So like even supply line guys, like they are very important, but their job sometimes can be mundane and tedious and like whatever else it is. And they feel like they're not moving forward. If like they're stuck in the mud, they're not like, you're just doing what you got to do at the time being. You still have dreams. You can still push forward. You can still go, go with it. You know what I mean? You can still go after whatever you want. And that's something I think people forget is like, you can go after whatever you want. You can do it. There is a way, but, um, I think that that's, that's just something I would love to see to bring it back again. Like I would love to see the data on, was this your dream or not? Now you were to go back to your journey. You went, sure. to, you went to Columbia for masters and masters. I left, started business. Yeah. Got it. And and what business did you start? So uh, I've been building up, I've been trying to figure out a way to help uh, local communities communicate effectively and on uh, non-biased terms actually, since uh, like I was 24. What, so what does that mean? Um, what we were talking about actually before the podcast about how like, you know, I, so, all right. So I kind of had this thought years ago that, oh, our society is getting super like extreme <laughs> and people aren't a uh, terrifying thought and the cancel culture is going to be real. And I, I actually started trying to figure out how to solve that problem of cancel culture with algorithms and with like, and not me developing algorithms, but like me developing the logic that would go into the algorithms. Actually something Mark Cuban talked about, my bad. Something Mark Cuban talked about was, you know, the future, you're going to see a lot of jobs being created for uh, the people that are philosophy majors within a technology world, right? And then you talk to the developer to develop out that logic. So I've been trying to figure out how to like, solve the problem of cancel culture before it happened. And I obviously wasn't able to catch up with that. But something I recognize along my journey is there's actually communities that are having this trouble. Um, and the only way you can affect that change is by affecting change within a community. At Columbia, studying just, I just chose a negotiation conference resolution. I wanted, I just, something about it called my name. I just fucking went for it. I was like, fuck it. I'm just gonna listen to my gut. Just go for it. I did it. And I was like, oh, 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 cancel culture and political correctness is coming from a super liberal college saying that political correctness is a problem. And then we looked into why deeply, right? And when you look into it deeply, it leads to cancel culture. Yeah. So I, I heard that from a guy that I believe leans left taught us that and with data Right. And one of the coolest studies to describe the importance of blunt communication and direct communication actually comes from apes. I forget the name of the study and everything, but again, this study just stuck with me yeah. where uh, they, there would be a younger ape pulling off the, the maggots or fucking bugs and shit, eating the bugs and cleaning the uh, alpha male, the alpha ape, right? The alpha ape. If that little ape fucked up, do you know what that alpha ape did? Now, remember, uh, it's an ape. What I'm about to say, okay, mm -hmm. this is not what you do to your kids. I'm not saying you do this to children. It actually, any kind of physical abuse is really bad for kids. But anyway, turns on, smacks the shit out of the fucking smaller ape. Yeah. Smacks the shit out of it. And the ape runs away, like basically crying and like goes into a little hole. But you know what the ape does later? The ape walks up after it's thought about it. You think about what you did, you know, yeah. how you yeah. fucked up. He comes over and he, show, he actually turns the ape around and then shows him what to do. And then he goes, and then he like taps on his back or whatever. And the ape turns around and starts doing doing it the way that he was just taught deterrence and building it's fucking it's crazy dude yeah it's crazy so like so if, if you look at that like the the ape was very direct in what it wanted 
and and hit the other eight, whatever. But like that's how they communicate. Mm-hmm. Um, in our world, we're canceling thought, right? For years now, it's been building up. Political correctness. When you say for years, where did you see? So, when did you first see it? And and how? Social was media, it? Facebook. Okay. Uh, also, actually, I think it was actually Yik Yak. Um, is the, the Yik Yak uh, craziness, right? That's the and second people, time Yik Yak has but, come up in like the last two weeks. Hilarious. Yeah, yeah, but like, but it's a great example for for what happens when you begin so they they fucked up when they changed they started like they started feeding into this like they would have been still around i think if they didn't change the brand and didn't put names to people they kept it anonymous it would have been a shit show Mm. for sure but you're allowing people to get out what they want to get out that there's another website whisper i think it's still around like you can just like post up like random shit like whisper.com or whatever like but the thing is like you have to allow people to be them yeah. Right. Like I personally don't think that it's okay to silence people because like the, when you begin to silence people, um, if you look at, I forget the data, I actually forget the data. I for, again, I remember the main points, you have a quick, but there was a study a quick mind. I, I could there tell was, there's a lot in there. There's a lot. Yeah. So there, there was a study that I read. It was actually at Columbia. Also, there was a study that I read that showed genocide. Okay, where genocide started and you look back 10 years and you see the point in time where you saw like a little uprising would pop up and then it would be sequestered, would be silenced Mm. and pop up, silence, pop up, silence, pop up, silence. Exactly correct. Just fucking hockey stick, right? Investors look for that in their businesses that they invest in. They want to see a hockey stick projection. You don't want to see that in a society. Mm. When you silence people for long enough, it will explode. Stop the silencing. Stop cancel culture. But big media is doing it yes, all the are. time. But the bottom line is when you push an agenda, somebody's going to push back. And you don't want you don't want to keep on silencing a one side all the time. You've got to hear. you got to listen to each other, which actually is something that I want to even with Project Refit. It's very important to Project Refit, actually, because like we're talking mental health now, right? You don't want to silence somebody who tells you, hey, I'm having an issue. If they tell you that they're confiding in you, you don't tell them, suck it up. You don't, you mm-hmm. don't, you don't think about yourself in that moment. People think about themselves too much. Like, oh, I don't know what to do here. You know what you do? Just listen. Actually, also, if you're so tough, suck it up, embrace the suck and go down that rabbit hole and just let them vent. All right. I think it's time for us to actually go there. People keep on hearing about refit. We were going through your story, how it all happened, but. Now you hear an answer like that, and as a listener, you're like, okay, what, what's what's this project? What's this guy all about? So just take it from the top. What What is Project Refit? How long have you guys been around, and, and, and what's, the, what's the general story right now? So I leave Columbia. I start a business, uh, an, an app or whatever, and it's all around, again, like that, uh, trying, to find a commu- trying to help the community communicate better, right, in a, in a, in a real manner. Have real constructive conversations. I recognize it's not working out because it's just like people look at it as it's just another social media platform. It's like it's not, but okay. So like then you sit back and I'm like, oh, you were making a platform. Yes, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. So I sat back and I was like, all right. So what's the what is the thing that I have to do? And I I started studying more in like community, right? And like, all right, we need to bring it back to marketing 101 basics, business basics. What's your community? Right. So 
my a lot of my friends are military and first responders. You know, growing up in combat sports, like that's what it is. And right? to be you clear, you of, you weren't. I'm not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm civilian. You know, like that's you're you're a civilian. I'm a civilian. Like our role. I'm an American. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like some say, oh, you're a patriot. Like whatever. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm an American, right? I do love our country, and I'm like, who are the people that I know really well? I'm like, it's always been the you know veterans and first responder military guys. Like I, I just know them, right? Um, and I'm like, what are some things and issues that they're running into? What are some problems that they're suicide, of course, right? Boom, of course. And but why? Why hasn't it gotten better? So many organizations are out there, right? What's going on? And then when you ask guys questions, and what I did is I, before getting to asking questions part, what I did is, like, you know what? I think I have an idea for it. So then I see a friend of mine that, or an acquaintance, really, he was an acquaintance at the time, uh, an acquaintance of mine uh, that I met year prior, year and a half prior, right? His name is Dan Lombard, co-founder of co Project Refit. Yeah. yeah. Met Dan Lombard out at a bar. He's home, just got back from, uh, I think it was Afghanistan. Uh, and you know, he's just about to deploy to Africa and, um, you know, we just were talking and he's a cool dude. I'm like, what, what year is this? Uh, 2014, 2014, mm. 2015, I think. Yeah. 2015, okay. just about. So he's there. We're talking. He's a good guy. I like him, you know, nice enough. And, and then, you know, fast forward a little bit, he puts up a status on Facebook and he's like, Hey, uh, so listen up, everybody. Getting uh, discharged, I'm medically retired out of the military. Uh, got PTSD, so I'm a dickhead to you. Sorry, I'm working on myself. You know, it's like it's it's not personal. You know, <laughs> like he's. By the way, he's one of the funniest dudes you'd ever meet in your life. He's super cool. Uh, but he got medically retired. Yeah, yeah. Uh, PTSD. He got transitioned out. So when I saw that, I was like, the way I look at that status, uh, I was like, okay, that's a leader in the making. You know, he's not afraid to just be direct, just like me. I'm very direct. I like that. And uh, he's open, right? And I know he's funny. I, already, I fucking know this dude's funny, yeah. you know? Um, and I like funny people because I think funny people are actually some of the smartest people. I think that's a sign, a major sign of intelligence, actually, uh, how witty you are and clever, yeah. right? Um, so anyway, so because actually to be funny, you have to be logically sound. So... Yeah, if you look into the, uh, this is a tip for everybody, if you really want to get into comedy, if you look into the makings of comedy, it's actually all logic. It's incredible. Anyway, what do you mean by that? It's actually so, so, all logic. So, so if, I don't know if you've ever done like argumentation or anything like that, ever looked into argumentation, like modus ponens and all that shit. No. Like, okay, okay. But there, there's a, good communicators and people who are super smart have a certain sect of like rules that they follow, almost like the, sci uh, um, yeah. it's almost like the scientific method. There's a certain s processes you have to go through, right? So uh, comedy actually follows very similar things. Like if I say this and then I say that, is that funny or do I have to mix it up a little bit? Like where do people it's actually chuckle solving. and laugh? Yeah. Kind of. You're, you're actually learning how to communicate. Is all it is. It's you're actually learning how to tell a story better. You don't, you, and you don't view crafting a good story as problem solving. Uh, I don't. I don't actually. No, I don't. I would say it is because whenever you are crafting communication, especially when it's through a story, you feel a certain way about it, and you are trying to project how you feel about it to get 
other pe- onto other people to get them to feel a similar type of way or to experience it in their own way where they are moved by it or they understand it or they you know through storytelling they you build a relationship with people that way and so when you're doing that if you know this full detailed story in your head whatever it might be personal something you heard whatever and with to bring it back to comedy if if you know the way that a joke is supposed to land because what it's a, what how you're going to describe it is is in a certain way that makes people go ha I understand okay and then they find it funny well you have to be able to do that in a way that isn't just boom 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 it needs to be very nuanced and have a certain flow to it and do it like the communication has to be it has to be special in a way so if you just take the the bullet points and read that, there's, there's nothing interesting about bullet points. You could take the best joke of all time, again, with comedy as the example, and just list the bullet points of it, and no one's going to laugh. Whereas when you have that little flow of, of the way you use your tone and the way you move from this point to that point, and, and then it comes down right to the final landing and, and boom, hits people across the face, that's, that's what I mean by the problem solving. You essentially, the, the problem there, quote unquote, is that, you need people to be able to laugh, and they can't laugh right now. You need to make them do it. And then you make them do it by the way that you communicate and the way that you formulate the communication throughout the beginning to the end. I can see that. Okay. So um, so uh, as you're going through this scientific method, right, and as you're, like, developing, like, whatever it is, like, and you're using the logic behind the statements and such, right, um, I... I saw the, that Dan was good at this communication, right? I saw that he had a, he had a semblance of it, and leadership also is communication, all that shit. So I reached out to him, right? And I was like, "Hey, Dan, uh, what does the army do for you? Like when you get diagnosed with PTSD? And is that no why offense, he was medically discharged because of being diagnosed with PTSD? Yeah. Wow. So okay. so he <laughs> so he uh, he responded, and by the way. Go army, go navy, go everybody. Whatever, military's great. We need you. But he was like, oh, they don't do dick. Yeah. And I was like, all right, cool. So I was like, hey, how about this? And like, I, I put forward an idea that I had that I thought of, and I was like, hey, man, when I'm communicating with people, I really like to see them, like their faces. I want to because I want to read your eyebrows and your nose and the way you wrinkle your fucking mouth and shit. Like, I want to see you, you know. And the reason why is because you get to tell a lot about a person when they're doing that. You can see what's actually being said behind their eyes. Right. Because yeah. they give themselves up all the time. Right. People do that. They can do it through their voice, everything. Right. So I hit them up and I'm like, I have an idea for a video chat platform where we connect guys instantly at the tap of a button. And he was like, it sounds dope. Love it. And you're I, talking about for veterans. Yeah. That was the just, original idea. Just original, veterans. just veterans. Got it. And, he, and, and active duty military. And uh, he was like, dude, that's fucking cool. And I was like, right, man. Isn't that cool? Because he, at the time, and he'll say this himself, it's like at the time, he was craving to talk to another guy that went through the same shit he did from the same time period, same war, all that stuff. Now, he'll even say like, so I, he, he downloaded this app where they did it, you know, where they had something where they matched you up with a veteran or whatever. He's like, he's like, the man's a beautiful man. He'll say, he's a beautiful man. It's a beautiful app. To, I'm not going to say the name to organization, but they're a beautiful organization, but it just didn't work. Right. That's literally what he, you can look at Like that's what I'll tell you. That's what, that's what like he would say that shit and like, it's all good. But the reason why is because this guy was from the eighties, right? Navy eighties shit. Oh, the guy who made the app. No, no, no. The guy he was connected with through the app. Okay. And he was like, that just 
didn't scratch the itch, as he says too, right? Didn't scratch the itch. And what we're trying to do is bring, uh, we're eventually going to develop the algorithm even bigger and better. But the thing that we're doing now is we're letting you choose your friends that you get connected to. So what we're doing, so I'll give you the perfect analogy so everybody can understand. And I'll even show it in a second. But So did you guys build an app through this? Or? We did. And I'll explain okay. the whole process and all that shit. But but what we're doing with the, with the logic and the thought process, okay? You have gym trainers and you have gym partners. Your gym trainers are the guys that will teach you. They're, they're your therapists, your psychologists, and your psychiatrists, your trainers, right? Then you have your gym partners. Just as important, actually, if not sometimes more important in the whole health journey of lifting and all that shit. Your gym partners are people cheering you on. Keeping you accountable. Keeping you accountable are sometimes just as important, if not more important, than your yeah. gym trainer, right? So your gym partners... Don't have anything. They're your regular friends. They don't have anything built right now for them in the mental health game, right? They don't have anything, right? It's just like you just text them, call them, whatever. But like, and I'll get into the study that brought me this. I did my own independent research, actually. I went out to for a year and a half, actually, from 2017 when we were founded. We were founded in 2017 till like 2019, beginning of 2019 summer. I was doing research on my own, talking to people, constantly going out to events, like local town fairs and shit, talking to every veteran and first responder I could find. Because eventually we opened it up to first responders as well, because so many first responders are retired veterans. We're like, fuck it. They have issues too. Bring them in, baby. And by first responders, you mean like EMTs, police officers? EMTs, police or? officers, and firefighters. Got yeah. It. And okay. corrections officers and shit like that. Right. That And that Got realm. It. Got right. It. Got it. So I sit there, do a lot of research, and I find this one quote. Every single one of them say, life gets in the way, man. Like I would do my and conduct my buddy checks, my radio checks, or the buddy check, meaning I'm calling you, check on you. But life gets in the way. I'm like, I get that. I actually understand that. I'm not blaming you. I understand that actually. That makes sense. That actually, that's a problem. Pick up a phone, call, 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 call. It gets tiring, right? Yeah. You have to set aside maybe three hours every week to do that. And if you send out a text, even sending a text out to your main boys takes a while. Okay. Life gets in the way and you forget. And that's okay. Forgive yourself. I'm not blaming you. That's not the point of this. What we did is we solved that problem. We broke it down to one button that you press and you're going to check in on your top five fire team members. We call it a fire team. Your top five boys or girl, women as well. When I say boys, I'm a boy. I'm a man. Like you're my boy, right? But like uh, you're your people, your top five people, right? And you get to send that message and you can even customize it, whatever, but it gets sent out to all of them. Like, hey, how you doing? You good? And you conduct that check-in. And then if they hit the talk, or if you hit the talk button that's on there called the radio check tool, hit that talk button, a push notification gets sent out to your gym partners. Again, gym trainer, gym partner, to your gym partners. Hey, I kind of want to talk. I got to get something off my chest, right? And if it's an emergency, we're, we have emergency routing and stuff like that where you can call the suicide hotline and stuff, but sometimes they just want to vent. Yeah. And you're going to put the people that you trust most on your fire team. If your fire team doesn't pick up, you know, within the first minute, it's going to get pushed out to your friends list. If somebody from your friends list doesn't pick up, it gets pushed out to the entire Blue Skies community, which we eventually want to have millions of people downloading it. So like we, millions of veterans and first responders downloading it, right? And that's what we're excited about. We also built this tool to help out other nonprofits. Nonprofits like uh, Recalibrate, for instance, they have a peer mentor program. They have a one to two ratio ratio right now. One guy with PTSD, two peer mentors. They keep on keep in touch with each other. Well, why not expand it from one to five instantly, mm. right? And at the tap of a button, one to five. Help that organization help more people. 
We're not going to tap into your money. We're not taking money from you because in the nonprofit space, it's very competitive. I think it's an issue. I'm not going to talk about that though because it's not important right now. Very competitive. Not a lot of partnerships happening. It's actually, you see more partnerships, I think, in the for-profit realm than you will ever see in nonprofit realms. It's very weird. Wow. I don't know why that is. Kind of have an idea, but that's what I've noticed. Could be wrong. I'm open to being wrong. Always, actually. And in this case, I hope I am wrong. But what we're trying to do is we're trying to also add like dashboard on there. We have a list of other nonprofits. We have a list of uh, uh, therapists we're going to put in there, a list of podcasts that are, you know, run by veterans and first responders, books written by them, musicians that are in that space. I want to have that thing built for you to see your brothers and sisters succeeding. And you're going to do it together. There's a forum in there. We can have an open conversation between you. And uh, group chats and, and single chats. How did you get the earliest veterans to buy in? And and was it just mostly through Dan's friends or? Uh, kind of, uh, but no, at the same time. It was actually just us. Uh, so we have another program that we have. It's called the uh, Radio Check Buddy Check-In, where we go live every Monday and Friday and Wednesdays are private. Who goes live? We do, Project Refit. Got it. Yeah. Uh, and we go live on our Facebook page, Twitter, and Twitch, right? Well, Periscope for Twitter, mm -hmm. but we go live and we talk just about anything. Actually, we're just hanging out. And if somebody needs to get in there, they can come in. We'll send them a link. Just message our page. If you need to talk, fucking <clears throat> come and invent. It's cool. We're mm. actually bringing our radio check tool that we built into the app and putting it into practice and showing you from the front, leading from the front, right? How important it is that we're doing that, right? And, and and that's what guys respond to. They see that we're trying to build a community of trust. They're seeing that we're trying to build a community that they understand They understand, and that uh, the people within understand each other, right? Because when you leave the military, you're, you're losing a tribe a lot of the time, right? And sometimes purpose, and it's hard for them to find purpose again. Something so meaningful. Again, going back to the idea of like, you know, the world owes me something. They come out and they recognize Oh shit, nobody owes me anything. And that's a lot to take on sometimes. That's a lot. It's heavy, man. That's super heavy. That can get dark fast. Mm. Right? And it's, again, it's not a complaining thing. It's not talking shit on them. This is real human emotion and thoughts. Right? This is not talking negative. This is not me putting you down. You need to empower yourself through story and, and let people see who you are. And you'll be okay. Anyway, and the MO you're working against is that a lot of veterans and, and first responders, they come from a world where that that is the reality. They know it can end like that. That's and they, right. And they know they have a job they to do. They see the monsters. They right. see the Scooby-Doo. They're Scooby-Doo. They're pulling off the mask. They see that humans are the monsters, 100%. Yeah. And they also learn that way that they have to look out for themselves completely. They have to be self-responsible. And they, you know, in mm -hmm. order to be responsible for other people as they do doing this job, they, they first need to be able to be self-responsible for themselves. They forget that. Right. And so when they have these thoughts and they come back into society and they're struggling, even the ones who aren't struggling with necessarily PTSD, but are struggling with that reintegration in society, which yes. also, you know, as you're alluding to, is veterans who, who struggle with that have suicide problems as well. It's not just people with PTSD. That's I mean, correct. It, it's, it's, it's a wide ranging type thing. And as you're struggling with that, your natural inclination is to not ask for help. That's it's to correct. not recognize that because you're supposed to be military strong. Because society's anxiety is being projected onto you. Yeah. 
yep. society's anxiety is being that. projected onto you and you're listening to it because actually you want to, I feel like, I feel like, I feel like this is a personal opinion. I feel like military guys are so actually, they're so good at listening to direction because that's what they were taught. Listen to direction. They're actually being trained to go into running the fire, right? Mm. Getting shot at, doing something illogical, right? They're being taught to do something illogical. They have to listen. But um, when they come back into the world, they have to be self-reliant again. And it's hard. That's fucking hard, by the way, right? Make your own decisions and shit. People who are employed by employers, you know your job. You actually understand veterans better than you understand yourself. Yeah. Believe it or not, you get where they're coming from because you don't want to lose your job. You're going to do what your boss tells you to do almost always. You're going to do that. Chain of command. Chain of command. Society is, they, they, the people have that social anxiety, like, you have to do this, you have to do that, you have to have the, the white picket fence and the kids and this and that, blah, blah, blah. No, you don't, man. You can do whatever you want. You can be a fucking gypsy. You can do whatever you want, right? Whatever makes you happy. Fucking just do it. Stop living under this weird construct. And I think that veterans are very susceptible to feeling those pressures because uh, veterans and first responders feel that pressure because it's like, they're for also because of the chain of command thing and they want to have that back that structure back structure is great for humans really great actually for humans and um well that's some, that's key they come back home and now, there's no structure yeah now it's not someone like when when you're in the military your day is scheduled out that's it's right. not scheduled it, like you don't schedule it it's scheduled for you that's right and and you know what and not to draw a false parallel here but you see some of these guys who are professional athletes and they leave their careers. That's not a false. That's not false. That's correct. Yeah. There's actually an organization. There's an organization out there that exists. I forget what it's called. You can look it up, but where it's like literally bridging the gap between professional athletes and veterans and they're talking to each other. There's, there's a crossover there, right? hundred mm-hmm. percent. You're correct. The, the athlete's day is scheduled out. They, they're told what to do. They're told on practices, what to eat, all that, everything. And then like that, it's gone. And then what the fuck? They, they then they have all this money and they lose it all because they don't have to do with it. And mm-hmm. like, there's tons of tons of parallel actually. Yeah, tons of it. It's a great analogy. Thank you. Great analogy. Thank you. Because like there, there's, it, and and I think that also is a great analogy because it softens the blow a little bit. Again, if you're a veteran, you probably already turned this off. If you hate me for what I'm saying, I'm sorry. But like, if you didn't hear me out, there's there's things out there for you to use. Ask for help, right? Like, and veteran first responders, same thing. Ask for help. Right. I think we're so afraid to ask for help people because you're tainted by the distrust. Right. When you've seen so much shit like that, you're jaded. You're jaded. And rightfully so. Why wouldn't you be jaded? And how did so you you talk about the fire squad? Is that what you call it? Fire team. Fire team. Uh, Fire squad, you're getting killed. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. It's okay. Wrong wrong equivalent there. But but you built this out by creating (laughs) these pods, so to speak, of your earliest adopters of veterans three, four years ago. And now you guys have what? A a network of over 10,000 veterans? We reach, we reach, uh, we've actually reached this year alone, helped out directly and indirectly through our radio check program uh, and also even now our app, over 200,000 people. Wow. And that actually includes civilians too that come in. It's actually kind of cool to see. I'll explain what that means. So, yeah. so in our chat, we have people now that are coming into the the program. So it's usually all veterans that come into our radio chat program and like, you know, hang out and talk. Well, we're seeing an influx of civilians that are coming in and saying, Hey, can I talk about just like chatting? And you're letting them the in. Chat. No, no, they, they're doing a chatting on like, well, yeah. If so if it's like, a, if they want to come in, like, fuck it. Like, come on, we're going to back you up. Americans. We're fucking Americans. 
Okay. Yes, veterans and, and first responders are guys we want to bring in, have them hanging out, talking like almost. That's like who a, you focus on, but you're saying sure. the veterans are open to having other people of with course, similar experiences because that's mm. the person they protected. They're still in that mode almost all the time. Yes, like every single person can say, "Oh, I fucking hate people," right? All that bullshit. But at the at the end of the day, like you'll still help somebody out. What what kind of people come in? Anybody. I, I don't know how to answer that. It's just but what what are they? Yeah, but what are they? <laughs> What are they looking to talk about? Like their own traumas? So, yeah, or? yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's people with traumas, PTSD. Like we had a, like the other day, uh, we had a, a woman who was like, hey, I was referred here by one of the veterans actually in Project Refit, like referred me over. Just, it's a civilian, right? She came and she's like, can I, can I just like talk about something? And she was typing in the Facebook chat during the live stream. And I, I stopped everyone from their conversation. Hey, hold up. I just want to say something to somebody real quick. And I said to her, I was like, hey, listen, like, go ahead. Don't like, don't fucking hold back. Like type it out. We're going to keep talking, but please like type it out. Once you type it out, we're all going to read it. Okay. We're going to be mm. there for you. She typed it out. She fucking put it up another, she, she put it in brave. She put her story, whatever the hell happened to her. And I'm not going to say it on here, but like then someone else came in, just another civilian backed her up in the chat. Then we talked about it, backed her up, validated. You are allowed to feel the way you're feeling. It's Okay. It's almost like, it's almost like we, we need, sometimes humans need like that reinforcement of like, you're not fucking crazy. You are, you have, you, you have negativity bias. It actually protected you for so long. Now what protected us as humans, whatever, whatever that was. And you don't have to say, I have an idea in my head. I might be right. I might be wrong, but sure. Was it something, because when you do these, obviously the majority of your audience and, and your buy-in are, are the veterans and the first responders and stuff, but sure. was that, you mentioned that a civilian came in and backed her up, but was that something that some of your veterans who were in there and, and in your community related their own experiences to very seamlessly, or was it a little different? Um, I think it's just... Trauma is trauma. Mm. Okay. Um, and when you grow up in this world, everyone experiences a type of trauma. You'd be lying to me if you told me you didn't have any kind of trauma. Everyone has. Some. Everyone does. Every single okay? person. Every person. And I think what we're actually beginning to prove to people is that whether you're a veteran and you were holding, I'm not going to get too deep because it might trigger somebody, but like whether you're a veteran seeing shit first responders seeing shit or your civilians seeing shit. We all have that one word in common. We've seen shit. Yeah. Okay. It smells. It's terrible. Fucking step in. You want to scrape it off with your fucking boot, whatever it is. Right. It's not that easy though. It's not that easy. You get some crevices in there. You might miss it. Even when you get the power washer out, you might not be able to get it. You know what I mean? Like it's still somewhere in there, right? Like there's still some leftovers some particles. Bottom line is like we all stepped in it. Okay. And when a person steps in it, all you have to do is just be there for the other person just the way you wish someone listened to you. Even if you don't do it all the time, even if you don't open up, just remember that you wish you had that at some point in your life and just be that person for that person at that time. It's simple. It's actually simple. Yeah. And people, we, we make it complicated because we're told all the time, this is not talking shit on therapists, psychologists, psychiatrists, or the medical industry, mental health industry at all when I say this, Okay. So I want you to, if you're a therapist or anything, listen to this, it's, it's not an attack. Okay. Mm -hmm. I want you to know that there is a thing that happens when we tell people that they can't, that they have to go to therapy. You actually end up disqualifying 
everyone's voice from helping each other. Like the regular Joe, that gym partner's voice at that point is then sequestered and, and silenced. And you're actually doing more harm than good. What do you mean by that? Before I, before so I go at that. The what, therapist what that? and the psychologist, psychiatry and all that. Like there's, there's this like realm of like, oh, you don't know how to deal with a person when they're, when they're hurting mm. really bad. Mm. It's my friend. I, I, I'm going to talk to my friend. It's okay if I talk to my friend. And you're trying to create that outlet where people- For the friends. Yeah. The gym partner, gym right, trainer analogy. Right, right. Right. Like I'm trying to create the tools and trying to empower individual voices. Hey, you can help your friend out, gym partner. You're just as important actually. And in fact, you're so important. If your buddy needs to go to therapy, you can cheer him the fuck on or her on to go to the therapist. And you become the ally of the gym trainer or the psychiatrist, therapist- Psychologist and frankly by default unless the therapist is is a veteran there are inherent things if we're talking about veterans specifically there are inherent things that you can understand about what someone's going through as a fellow veteran that a that therapist sometimes yes a, a therapist may not be able to every time um yes uh yes and no I I don't want to minimize that actually so I thought you were gonna say something else therapists and psychologists and, and, and psychiatrists are trained. A lot of them, mm -hmm. some are good, some are bad, just like everything else, right? But they're trained in how to communicate with anyone. And that's actually sure. something that veterans need to understand. You don't have to talk to a therapist that was also a veteran. You can talk to a therapist that never saw shit, but they're so well trained and they actually care. You just got to look for somebody who cares. That's it. Just like the friends. That's that's actually what you kind of just stay away from this thought because that's actually you maybe minimizing what you could do for one of your friends that's a veteran. You can listen to your boy and hear him out. And you actually might be able to understand some of the pains that he's going through. Right. And qualify it with an I statement like, oh, dude, like I, I might not understand what it's what that is exactly. But your pain that you're feeling, I feel that because of this. So I get that empathy. Yeah. You can break it down to empathy for sure. Yeah. And and but anyway, so the, the tools that we built, we are trying to help out the friends group, the gym partners. Right. Because eventually we want people to go to therapy. Like the greatest news I just got the other day was one of the veterans that we we've helped out significantly. I love the guy. Uh, he he's off of social media, all this shit. Like he deleted it all and everything. And the only way we were saying contact him now is like call him up or like or through like app or like whatever, like and text and shit. His wife messaged us. She's still on social media. So she messaged us through Facebook and she's like, I have the best news. I was like, what's that? And I just got done talking to this guy like a week ago. And she's like, I just want to say thank you for calling him and just like talking to him. I was like, yeah. She's like, he's, he's in therapy. He's going through CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. I was like, let's fucking <laughs> go. Wow. Right. I was down. I was like, dude, this it, this, that's it. That's it. It gives me chills. when I think about that because it's like, that is literally what we're talking. It's a patient game. Be patient with people. And you're not Hear telling them, them to I'm do it. I'm not telling him shit. I told him. I, I suggested it. I was like, dude, you should think about therapy. But I'm here for you. But think about it. That's all I'm saying. Think about it. If you ever want uh, ever want me to give you an introduction or do research for you on finding one, like, just please think about it. And then somebody else in the chat, because he actually came in one of our radio checks before. He was like, hey, man, I went through therapy, dude. I actually seen similar shit to you, man. It fucking helped me out. It did. And, and then he's like, oh, okay. Thought about it for months, months. But you don't, like someone in your position, you may tell them that right up front, but you're not, 
when you do the radio checks with them or when you're in one of the fire teams or, or whatever. Or just talking, yeah. Yeah, you're just talking. You're not reminding them every day, you should do therapy or whatever. That's right. You're not holding it over them. That's right. Because we deal with it so much in society now, and I, I think we just don't recognize it, but people fucking hate being told what to do. People want to feel like they make a decision for themselves and they weren't pushed into doing it. Because they and, are doing it for themselves. Yes. And so there can be ideas, whether it be culturally, personally, politically, whatever you want to say, that might be right or might be far more correct than the alternative or whatever's happening right now. And they don't get through to people because it's preachy. And you tell them that just, yeah. beca just because you know it's right or really believe it's right, yeah. you, you're not seeing that other people already have that not diffused front where it's like, oh, well, why are you telling me exactly that this is the 100% right thing for me? It's like with your parents. They tell you when, when you walk up to your 15-year-old and you say, don't drink. Now they're more likely to drink. Can I give you an analogy to back yeah. you up on this? Yeah, yeah, The D.A.R.E. program. <laughs> yeah, go off. So it's... Uh, Tell people oh, what dare is. Tell people what it's dare an is. awareness campaign. Yeah, awareness. It's an awareness campaign on not using. It actually educates you on drugs. Yeah, and what says, does it Don't stand use for drugs. again? Um, Dan, I'll look, I'll pull that up. Start explaining it. Uh, something I'll, I'll, education I'll it or whatever. Uh, oh, I'll, I'll pull it. Up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I'm so mad. Anyway. Uh, drug abuse drug resistance education. Educate exactly. Which is yep. a fucking mouthful. Yes. But, okay. So. So Dare failed, right? Actually, they noticed and they did it and, and they had it out. There's more people using drugs, okay? So um, Dare created more, more use, actually, at the end of the day. And <clears throat> it's something that <clears throat> over at Project Refit, we focus on heavily. Uh, there's some awareness campaigns that do a great job. I'll give you an analogy, or not analogy, I'll give an example of a great awareness campaign, breast cancer awareness. It's great. Breast cancer awareness is great because it doesn't cause breast cancer, right? Mm. Breast cancer awareness never has a chance at causing breast cancer ever, ever. Not once did somebody get breast cancer because of the awareness. However, dare and suicide awareness can sometimes lead to drug use or suicide. Oh, how does it lead to suicide, James? I'll tell you, listener. How Projecting. it leads to it is yeah. kind of, but it's actually, you, there's an example called copycat suicides. Yes, that's what I mean. Yeah, it's yeah. copycat suicides, right? That's real. You talk about it so much, you normalize it, and then the copycat suicide is where, let's say, uh, Chester Bennington's a great example. Love him. Rest in power, brother. Yeah. Um, like, I love Lincoln Park. <clears throat> Got me through a lot when I was younger. Um, obviously, now you know a little bit about my story, <laughs> but like, you know, got me through a lot, right? I love Lincoln Park. People died because he died. They killed themselves because yes. a leader that talked about not killing yourself killed himself, and then other people killed themselves. They found out about it, and it's a copycat suicide epidemic, right? Or not epidemic, but suicide, uh, I can't think of a word, but it doesn't matter, you get it. So um, I hate suicide awareness. All of us do. We think it's trash. Awareness without action is actually bad. Because it also, but here's the thing, when you say suicide awareness, and let's even take it a step farther, let's say suicide awareness for veterans, that is reminding or telling, normalizing, reminding, normalizing, normalizing that attitude in, in the heads of veterans option. who see it. And that's the point. It, this is it's not psychological option. conditioning 101 because you are, you are coming out and you are 
defining entire groups of people, entire tribes that you may be a member of. In this case, if you're a veteran, you are a member of the veteran tribe. Or first responders. It's getting really bad sure. in police community, too. Because that's the thing. And you firefighters. And you constantly, what, what did we talk about earlier with negativity and how we how we fall back to that automatically. Negativity bias, yeah. Yes. So what happens is over time, you hear it again and again and again. And eventually when it's beaten into you so much that, oh, that is something that happens in my tribe and it happens to people. It clicks off in your head mm -hmm. that, oh, that must be happening to me too. Or maybe, even just maybe that's happening to me too. Whereas I love the example you bring up of breast cancer awareness because breast cancer is a tangible bad cell cancer. Right? Like, that's what happens. Like, some people get it. Maybe they eat the wrong and, food. And the or awareness they... is teaching you teaching you how to take action for yourself. Yes. So and it's also the... trying to drive money to be able to increase the medical research. That's right. It's not actually, like, saying, like, oh, you're going to get breast cancer. It's saying, hey, yeah, some of us do. Just be aware of it and, like, add do to your, your point. Do your checks. Correct. You know? yep. Whereas with suicide, it's not tangible. It is a it is an idea born out of uh, born out of a mental. Be careful with that. Why? Because sometimes it does. It is tangible. Just you can't see it. Sometimes what do you mean by it's tangible? A chemical, it is a chemical imbalance. Sometimes, right? Depression, anxiety, sure, things like sure. that. Yeah. Sure. So just that's what I'm saying. Like, don't. <clears throat> so, here's here's the thing. Breast cancer awareness is great because it teaches you how to check yourself. Suicide awareness needs to get better at checking yourselves. We need to teach people and build tools like we did by toot, not toot saying my the own word. horn, right? A project refit, tooting our own horn by my, I mean our, right? Project refit, tooting project refit's horn that we built tools to help you check each other, check in on your boy. Without reminding, without leading with suicide and saying, you it's guys just, may commit suicide. Here's suicide awareness. Right. Yeah. It's just, hey, look, yes. check on your boys. Yeah. We already know about it. It's fucking out there. We know it's a, pro it's a major problem. We need to we need to stop talking about it so much and doing shit, right? So we actually talked about the uh, the the, the push-up thing, right? And like we're like, dude, like we're over it. We're done doing push-ups. It's not doing like all right, What's great. The push -up thing? Like there's there's like push-up people do push-ups twenty two or whatever push-ups or some something like that. It's like a thing in the veteran community. Like do push-ups oh, okay. and like for suicide awareness, right? <sighs> great. You did push-ups, you know, and, and there's a guy over there that's fucking in a corner, you know, hovering over bullets that are like fucking dropping to the ground. He's trying to put them in his gun and kill himself in a second. You're doing push-ups over here. You should actually so instead, true. like like on the back of the shirt like on, that I'm wearing right now for the ruck, we say ruck awareness, take action, call a buddy, right? I think social groups... A great organization also called Irreverent Warriors, they get guys together and they do rucks. Like they want the community to come back together, get outside again, bring your boys, bring your brothers and sisters together and let's ruck together. And that's where you're carrying around all the- The weight and such, yeah, yeah. yeah. But but the point being is the group matters. We, we're trying to build tools for groups like Irreverent Warrior, right? We're trying to build groups for groups like, like Recalibrate. I like organizations that take action. Right. I like groups that are trying to create more than you don't have to be a therapist and a psychologist to have an impact on this community. You don't have to be is what I'm saying, but that's not minimizing their job. Their job is still very important, but we're not doing enough of empowering the everyday person because it's a, I described this to someone recently and they were like, and it was a, it was a veteran. I was like, dude, I'm going to bring you down the rabbit hole of war that you understand. We're actually in a war with this. And there needs to be more money going towards tools that get your infantrymen, like the bullets don't fly without supply, that get your infantrymen supplied. 
and give them the mm. tools necessary to check on each other. You need to get funding into this space for helping the everyday Joe. Help them to help each other. And you're actually now maximizing your resources in an intelligent manner, right? There's a great example I can actually give for what we're trying to do. There's this book, A Blink, I don't know if you ever read it or not. But Blink by Malcolm Gladwell. That's correct. So there's an example in there of uh, General Van Ripper, okay? General Van Ripper is brilliant. He beat the United States military. He's a United States general, by the way, in what's called the war games. Okay. He was brought in because he's such a brilliant general. And he said to his men, I actually want all of you to navigate this war. You're this war. It's, I'm putting up air quotes for everybody who's listening. Like it's it's not truly, it's war games. They're actually testing out mm -hmm. new theories and hypotheses and things like that mm -hmm. to create new theories. So hypothesis and theory, the scientific method. Theory is sometimes based on fact, but it can still challenge and changed. Anyway, so based on these hypotheses. Okay, and the first go round of this war game, Van Ripper fucking annihilates the United States military. The United States military made things really complicated in terms of how they were approaching the battle, right? They had everything planned out. They knew every scenario they thought they knew, every scenario, every piece of technology that they had, right? Like they would knock out the, they would throw an EMP blast and knock out all their communications via, you know, uh, like cell phones and, uh, and, and radio and shit like that. You know what they did? They actually communicated via fire signals and lights and like they a Morse code and things like they mm -hmm. actually were still communicating effectively amongst each other. They were actually communicating more effectively because they were doing it silent. So now you can't hear anything when you knock out all their communication via EMP. And they actually uh, took out, I think it was with a small Navy. They, and this is all hypothetical, by the way, right? This is again, war games, took out like 20 of their ships in one night, okay? And he did that because he didn't have his men report back to him. They didn't make a, he didn't make it complicated. He said, I want you to react and then tell me about it later. So what we're trying to do at Project Refit is I'm trying to take those individual friend groups and treat them the same way, right? Project Refit is trying to treat each friend group that comes out of the military or is in the military or in first responders or, or retired first responders, let them communicate with each other. You're and empowering then, them. and then it's right. And if they have issues, give them the tools to get them to the leader or get them to the help that they need. We need to do more of that. That kind of communication will change lives. There, I, I believe it was uh, General McChrystal. I think I'm, I'm going to check after this if I have that right. But um. I wish I had my laptop. He was, I'd be helping you out. He was, like, he does a lot of speaking engagements now because he's retired from the military. And I think it was Afghanistan where it happened after 9-11. Okay. He talks about how the military finally started to have success after really a lot of stop and go, prone to not taking action on things type patterns that they were falling into. And the way he explained it was with the chain of command, there was a clear number of channels that every single thing had to go through. So if you if you were an infantryman and, you know, you and your unit got some intel and, and wanted to make a move on position X or whatever, they had to go through their direct colonel who had to go through this guy, who had to go through that guy, who had to go through that guy, whatever. And so what was happening was decisions didn't happen. Because that all takes time. And then also the message gets lost along the way. It's it's too far. There's too many layers. Are you talking about JSOC? I don't know. Okay. I, 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 I'm, I'm not keep sure. Going, keep going. I'm sorry. But th there's like this, 
the, the, the chain of command ends up losing the, the message over time and then taking too long and nothing happens. So, what? I, and again, I believe it was McChrystal. What he explained okay. is that when they first went into Afghanistan, you know, obviously responding to 9-11 and a great disaster that happened here and there, there was a clear goal. Take down the Taliban, you know, mop the floor out there. And what they proposed in the military was that they would allow for pods to make decisions. So they would empower infantrymen and their direct chain of command to make a decision on micro issues and things that they were actually experiencing in the field such mm -hmm. that there was still a level of like check and balance to it. So you still check through something, mm -hmm. but you weren't requiring decisions to be made where it's like, well, we should check with this guy and then he may need to check with that guy and so on and so on and so on up that they ended up having the chains off and they were able to go in there and basically just completely reinvent how we did warfare at the time. Yeah, that um, that actually reminds me of uh, the reason I said JSOC is because uh, there was I was at the International and what is JSOC again? Joint Special Operations Command. Got it. So um, there was a, a general, don't know his name, that gave a presentation at the International Association Chiefs of Police in 2018, and uh, he was talking about his time with JSOC and how they were able to go from like conducting like via communication, effective communication, kind of like what you're talking about. Uh, it, w it went from, it might be the same guy, actually. It went from like 30, uh, um, it went from like 30 missions a night to like 130. Yes, this is it. Whoever it was, I think it was McChrystal, but whoever it was, this is it. This dude, is what it was. Dude. Yeah. That's fucking, think about that. When you empower your individual men, Okay, now we're talking to veterans and first responders directly, right? Because you guys get this. Like, that's what we're trying to do here at Project Refit. Like, we're trying to empower the individual groups. And then right? they feel a greater responsibility towards it, too. They feel not even just a responsibility. Yes, for sure. For sure. But it's also, they feel more confident that they can yes. check in on their friends. Yes. Right? Like, oh, I now have a tour. This it fits into my schedule. Because, again, going back all the way back. I was doing my independent research, tables, set up different town fairs and shit all around New Jersey, South Jersey, Pennsylvania, Delaware. I fucking went everywhere I could. California. We flew out to California. Every, I mean, I wanted to talk to everybody and hear everything I possibly could. Just take it all into my brain, right? Thinking Steve Jobs, where he said, the greatest artists, you know, like pick, pick, pick from everyone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I wanted to pick from everybody's brain as much as I could. And what... I ended up realizing was exactly what we're talking about, that you need to build something that can actually fit into your life and your schedule at the tap of a fucking button, because it actually goes back to what we were talking about before, where as we get, you know, humanity, you know, we're so good. We have so much downtime. We don't know what the fuck to do with ourselves. We got all that anxiety and anxious. Let's make life or death a thing, especially for the veteran community and first responder community, a thing that they no longer have to worry about internally. And just check on each other fast. Make it simple, fast, and quick. So they can out that within their own community. Just fucking let's get rid of it. Let's fight it. It's going to happen. You're never going to get rid of it. You're never... Any organization says, let's get to zero. I have some really bad news for you. That's almost impossible. If not actually impossible. You're never going... Because like, like you were saying before, like breast cancer has like an actual tangible. Perfection this also exist. does have an actual tangible. You you will have some friends that have chemical imbalances. I have some friends of mine that are depressed, just like they're depressed. 
right? They're my boys. I check on them. I make sure of it. I almost model Project Refit after how my friends, my core friends group, how we look out for each other. We check in on each other. You know, you know what I meant by tangible. By the way, I think this is important. Just to go back. Go to ahead. That. Yeah, yeah, man. It goes to your point of of, of the copycat with suicide, which is a real thing, and yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. just for suicide. There's other things that that it's like that as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My point is. You can't inject breast cancer cells into your body because you feel like you're going to get breast cancer. So yes, there are people who get chemical imbalances and, and that directly causes suicide. And that's important for you to make that distinction because it's entirely sure. true. Yep. But you can inject the idea of suicide into your head because it's an idea. Strong. Mm. Heard. Yeah. Strong. But you guys, like, I, I want to go back for a second to... Like when, when you started this, so did you start with the app right away? And was it basically, you know, you have the radio check-ins that you talked about, but then you created the, it sounds like you created the fire teams pretty much right away. And like, was that all through video chat or did you have in-person stuff? Like what was the story? So there's a guy, uh, I can't say his name cause he asked me never to say it, which is fine. He's actually cool. special forces operative. He actually active some other stuff. Um, I don't know. He might be out now. Uh, but again, I'm not trying to give too many clues away anyway, because I don't want people to look him up. Uh, but he said, out of kind of his heart, he wanted to work with us to build the first prototype, and he did. Okay. Um, he is the man. We were in forever debt to him for that, because I was able to take that prototype that he built for us and take it to people, ask them how they, what they thought of it, right? Like part of the whole like, uh, development process, actually, of a new app or anything. Like, really, You have to have something built and then take it to people who would use it potentially and then have them tell you what they think. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, but there was an added element for what I was doing where it's like, okay, well, with this whole, like, what do you think of the app? What are we actually solving? Right. So that's where the research came in, whatever. But this guy built that app. So we started out with the app. Okay. He built it for us. Simple prototype, super badass, really grateful to him. Love him forever. Um, this is back in like 2017. This was about 2017, 20, 2017, 2018. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we do it. We get that shit done. Uh, and then I, as I'm talking to people and uh, I'm out at events and stuff, I'm I'm having some deep conversations with guys. I mean, like deep. And what okay? kind of events were you going to? Just Literally like town veteran? fairs and shit. Dude. Oh, like really? I mean, like I like wanted that to, broad. Yeah, dude. I wanted to meet them where they're at. That's one of the things Project Revit's going to do. Interesting. And okay, here's why. On. Here's a story. One of the most important. There's a couple of times uh, where Project Refit, I recognize, dude, you're doing the right thing. Uh, the first time was when a Marine came back to me. The second day, because it was like a three-day festival, came back to me the second day. Young Marine, just got out, like 22, 23, hands me a pin. It was an 0311 pin, right? He goes- What's an 0311 uh, pin? That's his MOS. So it's uh, his job in the military. That was his number. Okay. So he comes back to me. Uh, he's like, you're a fucking Marine to me, bro. Like, to me. You're a fucking Marine. I was like, well, that was a huge compliment. I really appreciate that. I get chills thinking about it. It's an honor. It's fucking, it's an honor, right? It's cool. That's fucking cool that he views me as that. Because what I did with him the day before, I actually listened to him for hours. I could have been talking to hundreds of other people, but I didn't. I had him come in. I was like, dude, come in the fucking tent and chill with me. It's just fucking, he's like, I don't want to like, you know, I was like, I was like, fuck everybody. What did he talk about? His shit. Okay. I'm not, I'm not going to put it out. Yeah. 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 Yep. His shit. Right talked and then we just bullshitted and we just hung out at this fucking fair that he was just and at. he was a veteran he was already out he was or? a veteran wow. and he was just there hanging out man like but then he but he wanted to be around either somebody who understood it and i told him i'm a civilian he knew it. that's why he said to me you're a marine right he knew he knew where i stood you made a sacrifice i made a sacrifice for my dreams to help you everything i did led up to me right here with you 
You know, I'm the only guy that's paid right now with Project Refit, by the way. Very small amount, right? Like $1,000 a month right now. Then I have to have another job on the side where I do like websites and take photography and shit like that with people to make extra cash coming in, right? But I'm dedicated to this shit. This is life for me, right? It's your way like, to change the world. 100%. 100%. This is my fucking dream to help you right? This is also going to show veterans that they can be leaders in their own communities for their civilian brothers and sisters that, Hey, it's okay. I was out there with fucking bullets coming at me and I'm telling you that it's okay to feel down. We all have trauma. We all have shit. Alpha speaking here. It's okay. Right? That's what I, that's the way I view it. Right? Start out with a community that's viewed as strong. That's feared, actually, sometimes. I said that earlier, too. Like, a lot of people look at them like, oh, that motherfucker killed people. Yeah, exactly. Right? And they fear them. Well, what if that There's dude... There's an attitude What if it. that dude, who you fear a little bit, also says to you, listen, I'm not gonna fucking kill you. I also struggle. I actually didn't even want to be just a straight-up killer, Right? Yeah, there's some fucking crazy people in the military who do that shit, and they do it well, and it's good that they have the outlet, whatever. But at the same time, that's crazy everywhere. Okay, I went in because I wanted to serve my country in one way or the other. And now I'm serving by being here telling you it's okay. I'll listen to you. You're building by and large, and it's not the only focus because you'll talk about the other stuff too, but by yeah. and large, the key spot is getting people to buy into the app and the community online to be able to get it at the push of a button to your point. But you are building that through basically brick and mortar old school tactics of going to where it hits home, going to the people themselves. Yeah, so you're almost right. Almost. That's close. Hi hybrid. Hybrid. Okay. Online and in person. This is what I reckon. That's why it's so important we got back to the fair. Because I wasn't able to go over this yet. Because yeah. you are you're right. You're right. You're right. But you're you're like missing a piece and it's my it's my it's me. Like I didn't get to that point yet. So now to fill in the rest. I recognize one day when I was out, I, I I was out there and I was talking to people and I just got done talking to uh I think it was a family member actually. And I hit Dan up and I was like, Dan, dude, if we want this thing to succeed, we're going to have to have like some kind of like in-person thing. And I was like, I was at, I was at, uh, it's called Fringe Festival actually. It's in Hamilton, New Jersey. And it actually happens all over in the country, but this one was in Hamilton, New Jersey I was at. And I'm on the phone with him and I was like, we got to have something. And like, we were talking about it or whatever. And I hung up and I looked up and I had someone else come, come by, talk to me. And I had this conversation like, yeah, we're also going to do like an in-person thing, blah, blah, blah. And I look over and there's a mobile bar right over there, like mm. in a big truck and trailer. And I was like, a lounge like that. And I pointed. And a woman turned around, she turned around, wow, that's really cool. That's exactly what we're going to do for the in-person. Because it's mobile. We can show up to you at your cardboard box, your house, your apartment. We can bring the technology with us. We can do our radio checks in person with you and bring you into this community where you're now going to be in the app all the time, touching Project Refit, touching these other nonprofits all the time. You're going to have support anywhere. Anywhere. Wow. And that mobile base brings it. The mobile base brings it to you. We're going to be able to go to sports venues, concerts, because a lot of these guys, a lot of the issues actually, and, and another reason why I came up with the idea is because I used to work uh, uh, security uh, concerts um, with, it used to be called the Tweeter Center. Uh, it's BB&T now here in New Jersey, whatever, bro, aging me, whatever, I'm 30, what's up? So um, I worked there. And I never forget, I don't know what this guy, I don't know what was wrong with this guy before I say anything. I don't know what was wrong with him. I don't know what happened, but I remember taking this guy who like basically froze up. He was sweating like motherfucking crazy. 
his friends were like, dude, like, I don't know what's going on, but <clears throat> he's got to get out of here. And I was like, right. So we just escorted this guy out and put him in a concrete fucking room. And it was right around the time. It was like 2008, 2009. So it's right when a lot of guys were getting out, you know, like they were in war. It could have been a veteran. I don't know. It could have been a first. It could have been just a dude that went through some traumatic shit. And was like, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. But a lot of veterans, okay, they don't like veterans and first responders don't like to go back on the society again. Like they don't like to enjoy. They I actually asked this question on one of our radio checks. Resounding Yes. To, I don't want to go around a big group of people anymore mm. because like, I don't trust them because they know what monsters are, dude. Like you, ah, oh man, I try to, I try to say that with like also empathy too, because like I want civilians to understand like the Greek tragedy. It's real. Okay. Not everything works out. Not everybody's good. There's, There's good people out there. The there world. is a lot of fucking bad. There's a lot, but there's more good. That's a positive thing. But there's a lot of fucking bad, man. There's 7 billion people on this planet. Even if 10% of that 7 billion... It's a problem. Holy shit, that's a lot. Millions. Millions of bad. That's, that's a lot. And see, that's another thing, though. That's another thing. You see this problem all the time with veterans who come back who, who know what bad is. They have been to the doorstep of bad. They have looked it in the eyes. They understand it. And they come back to a country like ours, which is the freest in the world, has its problems, has its things that always need to be improved. And they see people, whether it be complaining about small shit or, mm-hmm. you know, things that don't matter or faulting America for stuff that they shouldn't be faulting them for or tra- th- this is the worst one to, to veterans in a lot of ways, at least some of the, the guys I know very well. They see the world in a way that they want to see it and not how it actually is. And it is very, very difficult in my experience talking with some of my guys, and I'd like to get your thoughts on it. It is very, very difficult for a veteran to be able to process that other people don't know what reality is. And yet you can't just tell them because they haven't seen what veterans have. They haven't done what veterans have had to do. They haven't had that experience where they again they come to the doorstep with that evil and they know what it looks like yeah we've talked about that actually even on our um our radio checks a lot and the thing that we always come down to and we always say is that's actually one of those thoughts that could almost be negative for a veteran to go down because you shouldn't be thinking about what the social anxiety is right. And like mm-hmm. what the next thing is or whatever. You just got to focus on the little shit in life. We had a guy, dude. Oh my God. And I'll, and I'll, and I'll get back to the, um, the, the veterans in the trust. Cause this is all part of it, but I'll get back to the thing in a bit. But there was a, a guy that came on one of our radio checks and he was battle hardened. This fucking dude, Battle hardened. Even hearing him talk, we thought this guy might have gone like way off the rails, but he ended up becoming like this fucking deep philosopher. A lot of these, like a lot of veterans, just they they understand life. This guy literally said, he's like, I stopped worrying about what the fuck everybody was saying a long time ago, and man, I've been in peace. I enjoy flowers. I enjoy the sunset. I enjoy the sunrise. I enjoy fucking grass, bro. And I was like, that's awesome. Like, that was so cool to hear that. Like, and it, because it's real, he stopped worrying about what people were focused on because he knows that it's not healthy 
to focus on that. Whether he actually got the therapy or not, which I'm pretty sure he did go to therapy, but he genuinely believes in nothing but the small things because he's seen what's actually bad. So there's a there's actually um, I think a chance most veterans and and first responders I really want to drive home that first responders see the worst of the worst here on this free soil. That's why a lot of veterans have nothing but respect, especially for like cops and firefighters who like see charred bodies or murder or or rape or all, all these terrible things that happen in this country because it happens when, everywhere. When did you add in the first responders to your that, that entire was, umbrella? That was pretty much in uh, eighteen. That was that was like very shortly after. Like that was very much so a early part of the on. evolution. Super yeah. early on, yeah. So all of them see, you know, what life is. And that's when you have this great opportunity, though, to appreciate, like I said, all did I say it on here, the dolphins thing? Did we say that yeah. during this? Okay, yeah. like remember the dolphins, they made the right choice of staying in the water. <laughs> they have the chance to be the dolphin, right? To simple fucking flowers. I'm going to go garden. I'm gonna I'm gonna go cut the grass. I'm gonna enjoy the fact that I'm alive cutting the grass. They're accepting. Right? You're saying they're accepting the fact that people don't know what they don't know. They're, they're accepting gonna... that. Just accept it. Just yeah. accept society's fucking weird, but at the same time, it can be beautiful because you'll have time to enjoy those small things. Yeah. Right. So um, I think that that's like a point of the mindfulness. So there's this uh, great organization, Veterans Path. John Macaskill. Uh, he's a Navy SEAL, former Navy SEAL commander. He runs that. Um, we were talking on the phone, man. I, he helped me out with actually doing a project of a grateful challenge. Uh, really cool thing. I'm actually trying to bring it from LinkedIn over to other social media platforms and make it blow up somehow. Uh, cause on, so on LinkedIn, it's like, it's going viral. Like yeah. it's, it's everywhere. Like 500,000 plus people like, you know, fucking seen it, participated in it. Otherwise it's insane. So, um, but it's all about mindfulness, right? Being grateful every day. You're changing your brain. So we're trying to basically, so it's an awareness with action. Uh, action's important. We're, by creating the Grateful Challenge, the thought process behind it is it takes about two weeks up to 18 days to create a new habit. 18 days to like, I think it's like two two months or something yeah. like that, or three months. It takes between two weeks and two months or a little longer to create a habit, okay? So the Project of a Grateful Challenge, for 20 plus days, you are supposed to post a video or a status every day of something you're grateful for. Just one thing. That you're grateful for to train your mind to be grateful for life for the little things right grateful for my family i'm grateful for this podcast today i'm grateful for technology i'm grateful for the clothes that are on my back i'm grateful for my family i'm grateful for my dog i'm great grateful i'm happy creating a habit of being grateful mindfulness right so that's what john mackiskill loved about it. he's like dude fuck yeah let's go you know like he's he's a killer bro He's a killer. He's fucking, he's real deal. He's a savage. But he's also at the same time, humble. Loves people. Loves his men. Right? Wants to help them. He needed help himself. He still needs the help. He's very open about it. He's like, I, I need the help. I need the help too. I, I need mindfulness. Right? For sure he needs it. He's back in society where it's not as bad as warfare. Sure, shit can go down. But it's also time to decompress and relax. Teach yourself. Everything's okay. Yeah. Right? So that's why it's like, everything's fine. We're, we're okay. As soon as like veterans begin to recognize that they have a chance, they have a chance at the ultimate piece where they understand violence. They understand it very well. Okay. But, and they also, they played in it. They were fucking in it. Their, 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 their field, their football field was war. Okay. They understand it. 
But at the same time, they also can take it to the next extreme and be super mindful, be a warrior monk almost, right? And just like, you know, you understand peace too. You know what war is, you never want to go back to it. You just want peace. Which brings me all the way back to the, the point where we're at these events. We're trying to get guys back out to go enjoy things in society again around uh, a bunch of uh, people that they don't know and that they might not trust, but bring them to a, a community or, or to a spot around these mobile bases. Let's say at a concert, because I love music, metal all day. I love metal and rock. Um, and go to these concerts and, and, or, or, uh, well, in this case, concerts only, um, and give them a place almost like, you know, like the dads that go to the mall with their wife and their kids and they sit on the, the couches out yeah, in the mall yeah. and they're chilling, talking to the other dads, shooting the shit. Yeah. I want to give them that place away from the stores and all the hectic bullshit choices that are going on in there and just let them hang out on the side and be together with other veterans and first responders and family members. Right. These mobile bases that we want to truck and trailers. We also want to build truck and trailers that'll actually go directly to a husband or, or husband or wife's house of a spouse that is deployed and give them the mobile base to talk to their loved one that's deployed and we'll watch the kids so they can wow. have a conversation with them. Right. We want to have 110 years. I want to have 150 mobile bases all around the country operating with veteran, retired veterans or, or retired first responders and or veterans. 150. So we have, uh, we want to have retired first responders and veterans that are hired that operate these things. And their number one mission is to have a purpose. Go help out your brothers and sisters. Do whatever you got to do. Operate like General Van Ripper. Take the idea of the app and put it into person. Hybrid. Hybrid strategy. Yeah. That's the hybrid. We're built for COVID, by the way. Well, that was, it. I'm glad you brought that up because when COVID hit, you saw a lot of different businesses sprout up and a lot of different opportunities present themselves with this quote unquote new world where everyone is disconnected and you know everything is remote disconnected and, connected right 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 exactly and what i loved about this is that when i first heard about it my first thought was that oh they must have made this up in like march or april or something and just hopped on the train and so you know you get a little skeptical when you think that and then i saw that you guys have been doing this since 2017 and this, this was not new. And I thought it was incredible that, and obviously not good at all, but the COVID happened. Foresight, homie. Right. And you guys were, it, it's like, yeah, like we're built for this. This is what we do. And I think it goes beyond this though. Here's the key. The mission is combat isolation. Yes, yes. But it's, what is your mission? It's to combat isolation with veterans and first responders. Mm -hmm. And that's what you're going to do. And that's your focus. And that's the, you've made it clear. That's the sandbox you want to stay in because you're building that exact type of community. Yep. But you've also talked about how you've had them, you've invited in civilians and stuff when, when they just want the help or whatever. And what you, it is more proof that what you guys are doing is something that other organizations can take up for people as well. Because forget the fact that people lost their businesses and their jobs with this. Forget the fact that they got disconnected from their family members, from their friends, and the world is it, 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 in this country at least tore apart. Not not just with polarization and opinions. I'm saying literally. You put people in little circles. You put them in their homes. You put them away from society. 
the amount of mental struggle and pain and the the wrong type of tattoo on people's brains that that has created yeah. has built a society that was already feeling isolated by the by the lack of connectivity that the connective platform social media is supposed to give them because it makes them feel bad about themselves all the time but it created a society where all these people now are literally isolated and they're literally creating more time for them to think about shit in their heads and go deeper and deeper and deeper into these holes and not know who the fuck to talk about it with Creating. and so for you guys to do this yeah. with veterans and first responders but then set the example with it with something that was already created before this for people who aren't like that for civilians for people who are like hey i need to feel connected to the world too you're creating opportunities for this to become a movement that's right i love that you just said movement because raul herrera who runs backyard sports podcast right all about sports he's a navy veteran created a video for us actually where he he's so passionate about what we're doing he's like you guys are creating a fucking movement and he put it out he's like this has been an issue since 1776 <laughs> is what he said 1776 this has been an issue since that time we aren't talking about it we're not talking about our our issues we're not talking about shit we're afraid of it and project refit is kicking down your fucking door and here we are yeah here we are you can still be tough as shit and talk about your shit Okay, you can be tough as all balls and nails and all that bullshit, right? You gotta be. But you also have to talk about it, man. Like, you gotta trust the people that you're around. We're trying to build that community of trust. Trying to bring it back, you know? So, isolation is a killer. It's a killer. It's a silent killer, actually. And isolation is promoted as society begins to grow, 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 grow. Remember what we were talking about before about that? It's the opposite humans, evolution. That's right. Humans need a mission and a purpose. When we're young, when we're younger generation or whatever, older generations, I should say, they would have to have the farm, they'd go hunting, gathering, all that shit. Constant threats everywhere. Modern society, there's not as much. <laughs> it's the hardest so thing. Like, What's the hardest thing for a man to do? I, man you, or woman? You gotta let me know. I don't, to I, sit in a room alone with their thoughts and yeah. be okay. Yeah, that is very difficult. For sure. That's got to be the most difficult, for sure. And it's creating this incredible social anxiety. Yeah. Incredible social anxiety, right? And it's weaving its way throughout society. And <clears throat> weaving its way throughout people, I should say. And there needs to be trust built back up. Number one thing, trust. We what do you need mean, that. What do you mean by that? We need to begin to trust each other, even within your friends groups, to talk about the shit that you're going to be validated. Like, yeah, 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 I feel that way too. And not be like, oh, you're being a bitch. You know, like, like in saying it negatively. Instead of being, instead, there is, I think there could be a positive way of saying that, actually. It's like, hey, man, I get it. Like, you're feeling like a bitch today. Yeah. I get it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, I get that. But you're still strong, bro. Like, you still got this. Like, everything's going to be okay. There's hope. That's the other thing. Hope is needed so badly. Hope is needed. Uh, future. Something to look forward to in the future, right? That's a part of the missions and all that stuff. And that's something that we really want to bring to, like, even these mobile bases, you know? I want to be able to, like, get these people together, have them talking, networking together, veterans, first responders and everything. Have them talking and helping each other again. You know what I mean? Like their mission can be to continuously do better so they can help facilitate better connections for their brothers and their sisters when they get out. You know, there are so many opportunities that exist for veterans and first responders. So many. Are there any? Mostly it, for veterans. There's a lot more for veterans and first responders. But is there say. anyone really doing what you're doing specifically within this community? I, I really look. I The approach look, that we're doing? Well, I don't think so. Well, let me let me qualify that. 
I know there's – and you've pointed them out. There's organizations yep. that provide support and support groups, and there's even online organizations that provide communities and all that. What you guys are doing, though, with your focus on the hybrid model, which yep. I, I love how you're putting that, yep. where you are going to the people where they are, yep. and you are also allowing them to come to you and to come to everyone where, where they are, which is on the internet. Yeah. At all times and yep. creating and fostering that communicative community. Is there anyone Social who's really purpose? Yes. Is is there anyone who's really actually doing that? I no. haven't heard of that. Me either. Nobody. No, it's social media with a purpose, man. You can come in, you can shoot the shit on this app, you can like talk practically with blue skies. You can literally just make jokes. That's something else, by the way. It's one of the rules in the buddy check-in, check uh, buddy check, radio check, buddy check-in. Again, radio check, buddy check-in. I know I just like fucking stumbled over my words. One of the rules that we have is kind of a joke. Um, if you're not funny, you don't make jokes, right? Yeah. So like, if you're not funny, shut the fuck up, <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> no, but, but in all seriousness, like we want people, because the veteran community, they use humor a lot to like, you know, cope. Yes. Right? Like fucking, yeah, it makes sense why we do Big that. Ball like, busters. We want them to do that. Come on in. Make your jokes, man. Like have fun, you know? You give you, them a place of trust. You keep talking about like you've hit it on on a million times purpose, and not just for veterans, but for like all of us and, people. And, and yeah, it's a, it, it's a common theme. But a few minutes ago too, because I can't get this out of my head, you said something about the fact that that veterans have seen war and they don't ever want to go back and things like that. And and in theory, symbolically, yes, I think a lot of them would say that. But there's also the concept that a lot of these guys, especially the ones who signed up because of the patriotic duty and, and wanting, wanting to fight for their country and everything, they may not be able to admit it to themselves even. Maybe it's just subconscious, but there is a part of them that's always looking for that battle. That is their purpose. When they're not on the ground in Afghanistan or Iraq or wherever the fuck they may be, or if they're not even like on their base somewhere getting ready to roll, it's like, what am I doing? Why am I here? Why am I not being able to do what I'm supposed to do? Which is to literally be on behalf of the tribe, the tribe being this country. The hunter or the protector, whatever whatever you need to be in that moment. That is, that is why they do this type of thing. So do you, when, when you're working within these communities, because now you've worked with thousands of these guys, you've talked with all different people from all different ages and, and all different types of experiences, PTSD, no, PT, no PTSD, whatever. Do you feel like a lot of these guys are, are they, they come back here and they don't feel that fulfillment because they don't have that fight? No matter what it is they sink their teeth into in regular society, as a civilian, they don't have that purpose because they don't have that fight. They live for that. Um, I, I think that there's some guys maybe, but man, most of the guys that I talk to, they genuinely don't want it. Really? <laughs> yeah, man. Mm -hmm. Like... It's going to be a crazy analogy I'm about to make, Do but it. I think it's a right one. Do and it. I'm not minimizing this thing that happens to people, but that's... Mm, mm. Do it. It's all right. Mm, I'm going to come up with another one. That one's too hardcore. That one might That one might be a little bit too... Uh... All right. Do it. Do it. Seriously. So, if you, if you get stabbed... Okay, I'm not going to say what I was going to say the other thing. I'm not because it's too deep. But if you get stabbed, do you think you want to get stabbed again? No. Okay. So if you lost one of your best friends, would you want to live through that again? And no. you saw his body parts everywhere. No. Do you understand? 
I want you to really think about that. We can sit in silence even for a little bit. I really want you to think about that. I'm not even joking. Anybody's listening to think about that because I get where you're coming from. Like that combat, like I, I get that. But a lot of these guys don't want that for anyone. There's some things that happened to me. I would never wish upon my, my worst enemy. And it's not even close to that, right? Not trying to compare it, but like, dude, we're talking life and death, literally. I'm not talking. You know to, what I mean? To be clear, yeah, because I, I am picturing that. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and no one, no one in their in in the sanity of their mind ever like if, if you experience that where where you're holding your dead friend in your arms, no one wants to experience For that. Sure. That's that's one of the ultimate levels here's, of trauma there is. Here's where I can answer: Do they want purpose to help others? Yes. That's my point. Yes. Hold on, because I I want to stick with the example you gave. I, I love that you use that. Yeah. In that scenario, they don't want to go back to that moment. If they can help it, they never want to experience they that again. Anyone. They, they don't want anyone. Yeah. And they don't want to have the possibility of going on to the front lines with their friends and knowing like, hey, either me or one of them, you know, we're going to experience that by one of us being dead in the other person's arms. They don't want to experience that. Oh, oh, real quick. At the backtrack, some guys do love the firefight. Some guys do. Some guys do want to get back and they do want to fight. And they fucking love it because they're good at it, right? They do. That's a Sport purpose. A little bit, a uh, touch of it. May, maybe, but I think it's the. I think it's the. It's so real. It's real, right? Some guys, the adrenaline, all that shit. That's why I see some veterans. They get out, they go skydiving. They're fucking going 120 miles an yeah. hour with a fucking you know crotch rocket, dude. Like mm-hmm. all that shit. That's why I see some of them doing that kind of stuff. Um, but. I think that there are there you do have a certain part of the population that loves the war, the fight. They love that fight. I think that I've I've heard that before, definitely. Um, and they respect the men next to them doing it. And in fact, some of them even respect their enemy more than they even respect some of the civilians back home. What do you mean by that? They're they're out there fighting. I heard one guy came into our a couple of them actually said this, but there was one guy in particular that said this is stuck in my head. He's like, you know, those dudes like. It, like some of the Taliban and shit, like they're fighting. Like, what the fuck would you do if you had somebody coming to America? Ask me that. I was like, I'd fight. They're like, right, dude. Like that's what they're doing. Do they ever? Do they ever? Equate, they're fighting us. Do they ever keep in the equation though? What what they're fighting for? Of in course, that case, of course. Yeah. But the thing is, dude. Uh, just like UFC fighters, UFC fighters respect UFC fighters because, and, and they don't like the, the, the man in the arena. Yeah. Okay. I think it was Theodore Roosevelt said it out. The man in the, the, man arena, in the arena, right? Yep, it's a great so, quote. So, so you respect the man that's in the arena and it goes back to what we were talking about very early on in this with the people on the outside, the social anxiety, not letting it come in. They're not listening to the outside world. They know who they're fighting against. They actually kind of sometimes even respect that guy that they're fighting against because they're willing to fucking shoot at them. Their bullets can change history. Imagine that kind of power in a young guy. Right, where you are, you have such a job with such important purpose, you're in the army, you're in the navy, yeah. whatever it may be. You know, you're fucking, you're an infantryman. Your bullet, literally, every time you fire one bullet, it's history changing. Yes, and that's and that's what I want to ask about, because no one in their sane mind wants to ever go back to the possibility even of seeing of holding their dead friend in their arms or not. or you know the shoe being on the other foot with them being dead no one wants to do that but the purpose of the fact that they are fighting what they be- 
perceive and believe to be an enemy that wants to inflict evil on the world and they are the beacon of shining light as America representing their country, no higher calling to fight back against that and allow light to win the day. And so when I say that, freedom. yes, no, yes, freedom, exactly. When I say that people don't want to go back to that, I, or when you say that, I agree with that entirely, but I'm saying that battle, that fight, that central part of the purpose, purpose it yep. may it may supersede everything, including the very, very bad visceral shit that comes with it. And so when these people, when these veterans are talking about that, I wonder sometimes if even if they're really struggling with some of those experiences they had, and I... We, we talked about it before the podcast. I, I know some guys who to this day, could be 30 years later, 40 years later, they still go back to that moment and they can't talk about it. You can't bring it up with them. It's a real thing. But even if they struggle with that, there is a part of them that knows like, hey, my calling is to go take that risk again. Take the risk that it's going to be me or take the risk that I'm going to have to experience that again because what we're fighting for is that important. That's what I want to know. Do these guys who even struggle with that some not them. have the purpose? Okay, some of them. For sure. And that's where it goes back to it, where it's like, you know, you have your bullet can change history. It's a lot of uh, responsibility, right? Um, and it is a major calling. And it is a ma not even just calling, but it's also a major responsibility. Just go, That's the word. That's the word. Just responsibility. And when you get out and even though you're being told and your day's being scheduled and shit, the purpose of what you were fighting, which is why it also, I think a lot of guys struggle with it, that heavy weight where every person you interact with out in the world, every civilian you interact with, where it can be a trigger moment. You can be triggered by the, the anger, even though you're suppressing it. Like, I motherfucker didn't hold, hold the door for me and I was willing to die for you. My friend died. It could spiral. Yeah. Could take him out, right? Like, that's why I think we need to be understanding of where they're coming from, understanding of what they went through. And I, I don't think we do that enough, right? And I don't think uh, society does that enough for them, right? I don't. Um, I don't think we hear each other. I don't even think veterans hear civilians out enough, actually, right? I think there needs to be a bridge, we need to bridge that communication as a society to help heal. Well, you talked about the ones that did, that effectively, and and you didn't. In fairness to you, you didn't say they did that, but you did highlight that there are there are some guys who have the ability to not sweat the small stuff. As I think, as as you put it, like they focus on the the beauty in life, and and they can kind of see that, and that helps bridge. They went their, through it already. Yes, yeah. yes. They went through the hang, the anger, and the hate, and they went yes. and got therapy, and they got the help, okay. and they were able to recognize it. You know what I mean? Like, so some they guys did do come back, some... and they viewed it wrong. A lot of them, a lot of people. Okay, of course, I understand. Of course, that. man. I mean, I, look, it's like a woman who her body is not hers anymore in a situation of rape. Yep. Okay, or a man, men. Well, I think it's one in five men, one in four women raped. Right. Yep. So, um. Or child, child sexual abuse, or something, uh, something terrible regarding yeah. sex, and think think about that, right? So your body is no longer yours in that moment, kind of deal. And how could you not view? It's in the case of the woman. How could you not view all men as a threat? Yeah. All of them. How could you not? And a man who is with a woman who has that PTSD and she can't always have sex because she's her sexual drive is not broken because she didn't have. Dude, like, there's so, it goes so deep, man. Like, it's, yeah. And, like, that guy has to be super, has to be a special man to be understanding, to be like, I'm, you're right. I'm sorry. Like, I, we don't have to do this right now. I can see it's like bothering you. It's fine. Super special. Cause she will not be probably as sexually active. Some of them are not as sexually active. People go through that. Men as well are not as sexually active because it's no longer, that sometimes they feel like it's no longer their body. Yeah. Can you imagine if you're in war and you feel like you don't have control of your life because the bullets coming or you can't even see the bullets? 
You have no control over your life or death scenario at that point. There are some legit fucking horror stories that I've heard, right? And and I I don't want to say it's an honor, okay, that I was a guy that they confided in at all. Um, but I treat it as such only because it's like, I'm not going to, I won't judge you for how you feel. I'm not going to, dude, fucking cry. Come on, man. Like, let it out. And they do fucking finally let it out. Right. Like go write or something. Go, go fucking start a podcast on it. Go talk to your brother, call your friends up, talk to them, man. Like the purpose is to look out for each other. You didn't lose the tribe just because you're out of the military. doesn't mean anything. Just because you're not a first responder anymore. doesn't mean anything. You can still be a part of it. And we're trying to give them instant access to it through the app to bring it all the way back. We're trying to give them instant access back to that community. Again, I want Again, I want nonprofits. Again, I'll give the example of Irreverent Warrior. I hope to one day partner with an organization like that where they can promote their own events on our shit. I want mm -hmm. them to. I want the community to be talking and to be going outside again because it's actually one step closer to bridging the gap between society and veterans. As soon as you can get the veterans' jobs again, because jobs are now understanding that, oh, they're just, they, they're a bunch of, it's a, it's a community of, especially combat veterans, a community of traumatized people. They're good. They're still good. And they will still listen and they will still do work, but they're going to struggle sometimes. And I, it's a responsibility that I do understand trauma, not just a responsibility to the veteran because it's a veteran, but to the person that went through trauma, including employees, maybe of a female who was raped and a, a male counterpart just scared her for a second. He needs to understand, dude, Oh, I understand why you went through that now. I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't like, I just want to say nice dress or something. I didn't mean anything. You don't know, man. People just, you got to stop. The judgment is so annoying to me. It's a gripe I have actually with society. And it goes all the way back actually to, I guess, how and why it was just pushed on to me of like the anxiety. Anxiety is, it's a lie. Your anxiety is lying to you. We actually have a sweatshirt that says on the back, your anxiety lies. Like it's lying to you. You're, it's lying to you. You can live a happy life. Most is good. Not everything's bad. Enjoy the small shit. Right? You're, you're a guy who, who leads right out front to these guys that you're the civilian co-founder yeah, here. And, and they all... They all gravitate to you, and and they they see your passion. You know, in some of the more extreme cases, someone even calls you a marine just just for being that guy who who truly cares. But they they to me, there's something that comes across about your mission here, not just in how affirmatively you say it. I mean, you can't even wait to get to the next point all day today. I love it. Like normally, if if I'm on a podcast and and someone's ripping away, it's like it means we're we're going off tracks or whatever. But you just have there's this fire in your eyes, and I hope people can see it on video, even below the hat and everything. <laughs> that just it every angle of this, this is all you think about. This is all you do, and that comes Obsessive across compulsive like, disorder, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. <laughs> But that comes across yeah. like I'm not a veteran and I feel it, you yeah. know, and I can only imagine when they see that and they go, this, this, this dude, this dude's here to help us. And then when I look at your own story, you, you talked, you said someone earlier always talks about like scratching the itch. That's what you do because you're, you're the guy who, who had the problem with anxiety because of other people's anxiety being projected on you. You're the guy who recognized something like, hey, I want to do something that changes shit. I want to do something that changes the world. And you're the guy that was able to kind of put that all together and say, hey, 
some of my own flaws and some of my own things that have gotten me to places or, or gotten me to, 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 to go after things that, that I didn't want to do or, 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 or got me off tracks in my own life, it's because of what happened to me. And now I can go help people who are literally there because they, they, they made the ultimate sacrifice and the things that happened to them and first responders too. It's because 100%. of the choice they made, what, what happened to them made them who they are and made them have these flaws and made them have these things that, that, that maybe they, they can't always deal with that fire going on in their mind at all times. And someone like you, even if you're not a veteran, there's a way or that you first can- responder. Yes. There is a way that you can actually understand that because of your own experiences and still be able to get across them that like, hey, even if I'm not you, I get you. Can I draw an important analogy too for first responders right now? Yes. Here we go. This is really important. They're people, okay? And so trauma is trauma. We've said that a few times during this podcast. Police officers are shit on a lot. Yeah, they are. All the fucking time, okay? Now are all of them perfect? Nope. We already said this. Not every veteran is perfect. Not every fucking nurse is perfect. Doctor, right? Not could you imagine? By the way, perfect. Could you imagine? Could you imagine if we treated doctors with the rhetoric that we treat cops? <laughs> Do you know how many more? And, and we got. Actually, I don't want to pull that out of my ass. You can go pull up some numbers. I don't have them right now. But think of like all the malpractice suits, and some of them are bullshit. But think about that for doctors who train for years and years and years, too. Now probably compare that number to, like, bad cops who do a bad thing. Can I help you with that analogy? Yeah. So, uh, and then I'll bring it back to the cop thing. But with, with uh, doctors in malpractice, doctors that communicate really well with their patients mm. and, and their patients feel like they're being heard, even and the family feels like everything's being heard, even if that doctor does fuck up. They're less likely to sue that doctor because they like him or her. Bedside fucking manner. Mm-hmm. Yep. Huge. Really important. Yep. Anyway, so so here's something too, like not just bedside manner. Let's talk about uh, uh, doorside manner. Okay. So doorside manner meaning when you pull over a police. So the most dangerous interaction that a police yeah. officer has is when they pull over a uh, a civilian or whatever. Right. Pull over a car. Right. Most dang- that's the most dangerous few reasons why you don't know who the fuck is in the car and you don't know if you're going to get hit by a car on the side of the road. Very stressful situation. Yeah. Right. So um, they walk up to the car, whatever. There needs to be better door side manner on the civilians part. Almost always, <laughs> actually, because they forget they're dealing with a human. Right. That's right there. The dude's just doing his job. Yeah. Is it always to your benefit? Fuck no, because you yeah. probably fucked up. Right? In some way broke the law. Are all laws great and good? No. So go affect change. Right? Yeah. That's the point of the country. People forget the point of this country is for you to take control of your life. And if you don't like something, go change it. It's about hard work. Actually, this country's made to create hard men. It's meant to do that. Yeah. We're supposed to be tough. And by men, I mean women too. It's supposed to create hard situations. You don't like what you don't like? Fucking go change it. Do the work. Yeah. Come on now. Anyway, so coming back to it, like they're people too. They go through shit, right? First responders, police officers specifically see a lot of stuff, right? Guess who else sees a lot of shit and they can get it? People that are like in the ghetto see a lot of shit, Mm -hmm. right? There's actually a lot of organizations now that are popping up that are bridging the gap between combat veterans and young kids that are in the ghetto to actually bring them together and talk. Right, because they have same similar brain waves. I remember reading it somewhere. Similar brain waves between uh, rape victims, combat victims, and kids that grew up in trauma, like in, amongst trauma yeah. in like uh, violent situations. Yeah. Very similar how they think. Okay, so if we bring these together, these people together, 
right? There's going to be an effect and change because most people dealt with shit, especially in a scenario of like, like if you were in a warlike scenario as a kid in America, in the United States of America, if you see that kind of stuff, and then you're talking shit on the guys that are actually trying to protect these kids in the ghettos and shit, you're actually causing a lot of stress to these guys who are trying to help these kids. Mm -hmm. trying to protect these kids to go to school. Yeah. Right? So, like, it's a, it's a violent cycle that they're now getting infected by. And nobody wants to listen to the police officer because the police officer is silenced by everyone. They don't give a shit. They're like, you have all the power. It's a power, it's a power it's like, structure it's thing, like, man. It's like, wait a second. I actually have, a, I have interpretation here. I can interpret. I can actually, like, just interact with me better. Treat me like a per If I have to give you a ticket, I'm giving you a ticket. Like, it's just, it's also coming at the responsibility of the everyday person. They push their blame off to so many other people instead of owning their shit. Yeah. There's so many issues like that. Man. And we also, look, there are, there are patterns where you have certain areas or certain neighborhoods that are, that happen to be systemized and set up, set up in the wrong way so that cops can mistreat them. And then some bad cops are in there and some bad cops that's do right. it. And that's, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. There is bad police yes. officers as well who are in there taking advantage of the system. They're corrupt and there's bad shit happening. We need more. Th we actually need more therapists. And, and I, I agree with a, a liberal view of we need more um, uh, social like workers, social workers yep. who can help alongside the officers and Agreed. shit. But that means we need more funding to go towards. I'm not trying to get into that shit. I'm not. But like, we need to help train these officers, right? We need these guys yeah. are being they're constantly being attacked, right? And if you look at like the military is so well funded. They're yeah. they're war ready all the time. They're war ready. They're battle ready. Yeah, we you need can't to start, have it both ways. We That's need a good to point. we need to start funding more so that the officers are better trained, better training so they can communicate better with people because a lot of these guys don't have the training to communicate effectively where a lot of the breakdown happens a door side manner matters. Door side matter matters, 100%. And yeah. like, I, I think about that a lot, man. If doctors can do it successfully, they have great bedside manner, why aren't we doing similar things with police officers? Most people don't even want to be cops anymore because it's so difficult. The job's so difficult. Yeah. So hard. They're putting their lives on the line every fucking day. They might not be dying as much as a fisherman who goes out in deep sea, but they're putting their lives on the line with, with uh, people like, oh, it's not as dangerous as fishermen. Like, shut the fuck up. It's really mm. dangerous, actually, to their mental health, too. Like, think about it. You're getting chipped away at every day you put on that vest. Chip, 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 chip. Yeah. Right? So why aren't we bringing that, like, to the forefront of, like, why aren't we training them more? Why aren't we getting them street ready? Why aren't we getting door side ready? Right? Because you have the military who are war ready. They mm. have to be training constantly. Right? Constantly. So why aren't we trying to, when you understand violence and you like train these, even in jujitsu, like training officers in jujitsu and such, you're training these guys a lot. If you understand violence and how to actually fight, you know how to control the violence. My, my professor said, he's a Marine, he's a veteran, he's a Marine. He said, learn how to control the violence, right? If you learn how to control the violence, you can, not only can you control it within yourself, you can control it with the other person coming out. You know how to control their body and move their body, calm them down yeah. without hurting them. Right. That's uh, people like, oh, but they're killing people in the street. Come on, man. If you train them on how to actually effectively control the violence, maybe people wouldn't be dying. They wouldn't be dying. Yeah. And that's yeah. why also police officers, firefighters, EMTs, they need the backup to correctional officers. They need the backup and people that get them are each other for sure. But also veterans, they get it. Active duty military, they get it. They understand that side of life.
that life or death scenario. So that's why the community, the tribe that we're trying to build onto here and go and support directly, show them that they're not alone. It's huge. It's huge. So how do people go and help Project Refit? What, what, what's been your number one source of, of funding and, and, and donations? Right now, it's been private, uh, small donations. People come in, they throw uh, um, projectrefit.us, go and donate through there, or they start Facebook fundraisers. Uh, Facebook fundraisers are huge. We're actually going to start a thing where we're going to give you a shirt if you start a Facebook fundraiser. We're going to start doing stuff like that. That's cool. Um, you know, and we also have an idea to fund the mobile bases. Uh, so... The mobile bases are going to be huge, uh, especially for uh, revenue for coming into this nonprofit. So uh, we want to get nameplates of our donors, $25 or more nameplates put inside of the mobile bases all over the walls. It's going to be like a 26 foot trailer. So it's all like we could have, you know, 10,000 fucking nameplates in there and it covers all the wall. And that'd yeah. be great. Right. And like those people would get their recognition almost like a... Um, when you when you when you see those those benches that have a name yep, on it, yep, you know what yep. I mean, kind of like that. Like you helped build this, you were a part yeah. of the change, um, and you know we're we're looking to do do that. Uh, get you your name on our website, like get your names on the app actually, in like certain direct sections. Like we're gonna add a page, we're gonna have all the donors we're helping out. Um, you can purchase our gear. Go to our website again, projectrefit.us. Um, go to the shop section. You can click on the bonfire store. You can purchase a hat like this one right here. Um, you know, this, this shirt, the one that's sitting here and the one that I'm wearing, it's the ruck shirt. Uh, we're actually going to be putting those up too soon. We have some leftovers. We're going to sell those off like $25. Um, and yeah, so that's, that's it, man. That's, that's ways that they can support us right now. And if you are a part of a big company or you have someone that you know, that's a decision maker, like a CEO, executive director or whatever of a, of a company, um, that does a lot of OHA or out of home advertising, um, please contact us. Or if you know that they just do a lot of advertising in general, please put us in touch with them. You know, let, let us talk to them. Um, and, and what, if, what's, <clears throat> what's the next step in, in the goals of the organization here? Cause obviously yeah. you guys are big now, but what, what's getting bigger getting bigger that's we, simple yeah, we're, yeah. We're, we're you're trying to grow the well, community no, so we're getting we're not big we're getting bigger you know what i mean like we we're reaching we reached like 32 million people in uh in 2019 we're hoping that our numbers are about the same that was crazy we blew up i was like oh shit that's when i actually realized like we're resonating like thi this this is working that's that's with that's with social media you're talking mm -hmm. about yeah, yeah social media and website uh yeah we, we reached 32 million people um and this year uh you know, hopefully we're doing the same numbers. Obviously, I'll know in January, January 28th, I'll know actually of 2021. 20, but um, that's when like the reports come out and all that shit for mm -hmm. your um, year. But what I'm trying to do is uh, I'm trying to get the mobile bases funded so that we can give people a tangible thing to see so that they can be a part of it and they can see us doing our work in person. Right. So they because people see, oh, you have an app. What does that actually do? Exactly. It's like, yeah. <laughs> what does it do? I'll tell you what it does. Yeah. It gives guys hope. It gives it gives the individuals to, the chance to, to help each other, right? Yeah. 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 But also like because people they and this is fine, you know, touch, see, feel kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're touching. The, you'll be able to interact with us. You'll be able to meet us and see us. You know, we'll be out in the community kind of thing, right? Um, I think that the mobile base is key. It's huge. So we we achieved our goals. So what we achieved so far, uh, we achieved s launching the app. It was huge. Like we got Drexel University helped us build that actually. So we got to Drexel University, launched it out. Um, and now it's launching the mobile base. And we, we did the radio check, the radio check buddy check-ins. That was actually out of necessity that we did that. Um, 
because we recognize, oh, we got to do something now. And you guys do that live on social media three yeah. times a week. M- Monday and Friday's live on social media. And then Wednesdays are private just for veterans and first responders. Got it. Oh, um, wow. Okay. Yeah. So they can come into the Zoom and just chill, hang out, shoot the shit, and like make really inappropriate jokes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then Mondays and Fridays, you know, we simmer it a little bit, but we're open and we try to have conversation around things, right? It's almost like a it's like a show. It's like a podcast. Yeah. It's not a podcast. Um, but- we are like, I'll give you a great example that radio truck buddy check in. Um, we had a guy, uh, who came in, it was a police officer referred this Marine to us. He came in and he, and he just like let everything out. He was, fu- he was angry. The police officer was like, look, you didn't, he was called there for a domestic. He's like, you didn't do anything yet. Don't do anything. Check out this nonprofit. Go fucking sign on message our page, whatever. They're fucking live right now. Go talk to them. Just mm-hmm. go hang out with some of your boys. And the guy's like, all right, fuck it. Came in, talked to us, got a lot of shit off his chest, uh, and he has a job now. He's in therapy. He's like all this shit. Like, it, dude, it's it, there's so many stories like that. It's fucking amazing, actually, to say it. There another guy that called my personal Facebook page, uh, told me that I saved his life. Uh, actually, he's like, "You, James, you fucking saved my life. You gave my life meaning and purpose again." I was on the phone and I was like, "Cool, yeah, man, no, no problem." And I hung up. I was like, what the- and like, I started crying, dude. I cried for like a half hour. I wow. couldn't I couldn't hold it back. Like, cause all the sacrifice that I've made to get to that point, say that one fucker's life. It's cool as shit. It's giving you, you that know? validation. Fuck yeah, but it's also giving me the test. I've been I'm being put through the gauntlet constantly. And I and I welcome that shit, dude. Like, and now more than ever, I just welcome it. Like, give me a challenge. The fuck? People are like, dude, why do you make it difficult? It's like, I'm not making it difficult. It is difficult. And I'm just not afraid to just go for it because who fucking cares? You're supposed to do that. We're humans, man. Like that's how innovation comes. <laughs> Got me, dude. Well, right. James, just saying, thank you for coming in, my man. Yeah. I, I, I hope all you out there heard what I heard today, which is just absolute flames, a, a flamethrower sitting across from me. And, and, <laughs> and I will tell you too. So you're, you're where you're, <laughs> you are where you're supposed to be, my man. Thanks, so bro, project it. refit. Yeah. They can get you online. at is it project refit.com. Dot Literally. US. Dot US. Yep, yep. Okay. And you can also Google it project refit. Exactly what it sounds like. Yep. And uh, shirts are pretty cool too. Thanks bro. I'm, I'm, this logo is that, that's actually the blue for PTSD blue. Going yeah. through it. So it, yeah. all pointing to the, it's an, it's a flag pointing downwards and no longer fight alone. Wow. It's an arrow, the American way. Don't fight alone. Let's that, go. That's awesome. All right. Well, everyone else, give it a thought. Get back to me. Thank you again, James. Right, thank you.